Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, a, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word for only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a special edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are already into week 15 by one game, and we will talk about what went down on Thursday Night Football. As always, there's something to talk about when Peyton Manning is involved. Um, but we are uh, mostly going to talk about uh, Chris Law. Good to see you, by the way. Rich, good to see you. Chris Thanks Brockman, good to see you. Rich, welcome back. We're mostly going to talk about our favorite television show here that we've been talking about for years. Yeah. And um, my philosophy is whenever I meet somebody in the public eye who I I am an admirer of, I don't mind going up and telling that person how much I love his or her work. Right, of course. And becoming a fanboy on the spot. Why not? So as I told on the previous podcast, there I am in Los Angeles uh, Airport, LAX, the famed LAX, going to, I believe, the Tampa Carolina game, and I look up, and I see our in-studio guest sitting there, and I went right up to this person and told him how much I loved Breaking Bad, because he is the creator and mind who put this thing, this fantastic, artistic drama on television, and he is now sitting here in studio weeks later. Vince Gilligan, good to see you. Great to see you. How are you? I am doing. Did very I well. frighten you? Did did I did I did I cause you to want a restraining order from no. me on the spot? No, not at all. It was it was uh, it's, it's just very very flattering. It was very flattering. Was, I, I can't be the first one to do that, right? I mean, you must get that. Uh, it's a relatively new thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you've been dealing with it a lot longer than I have. And uh, by the way, I yes. remember as uh, as they were calling the, uh, the your Tampa flight. I was going to San Francisco. Yes, we you were. were. We were in adjoining gates here, and yes. as they were calling the Tampa flight, that. The guy at the gate, the gate uh, master or whatever they call him there. Uh, yeah, he was like a master of ceremonies in a way, was. right? That guy, he was, he was. He said, well, we're on the, we're on the one yard line now. And we're about, he, he, obviously he knew you were there because he did like five minutes. <laughs> he, to, you know. he, he did. It was like a two drink. It, seriously, Vince is not wrong. It was like a two drink minimum, two drink minimum? from that guy <laughs> anyway, who was announcing the flight and the gates were open and pre-boarding. Right. But it was all football related. Stand-up. It was all yeah. football related. Because stand-up. he saw you and just. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was just football crazy. Nah, maybe, maybe it could have been that. I think he saw you. It <laughs> <laughs> could have been. But you know what, man? Uh, I, I I am so thrilled that you are here. And we're just going to, for this conversation, give the warning, in a way, 
of we're we're just going to talk about your show. Oh. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna make sure because because so many people come up to me they're just beginning to watch your show maybe they haven't seen it or they're getting into it my first reaction is how jealous i am of them that everything Uh, they're about to see is fresh and new and they're about to go down this this rabbit hole in a way that um that no other show really takes you and um so uh, I, there's going to be some spoilers in that regard. So I'm just we'll glad, Rich, that. that I get to sit in on the conversation because... Er, well, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions as well, Well, I do. Right? Now that I've finished, yes, I, I do. Yeah, okay. Brockman was late to the party. He oh, was late. He got to it late, so we had to kick him out of the room a right. few times. So oh, whenever we had guests on to talk about the show, I would have to sit right. outside and... <laughs> now my... And it, because, again, as I, first thing I also asked you is, sure. is, is, your, is your football acumen and background, and you, you really <laughs> just... You don't have much of one, I, which is fine. I apologize no. to, to all your 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 fans listening. No. I I am as I said to you uh, at the airport. I, I I was like the little kid in the. I was a little kid dressed like uh, Eddie Munster with a violin case who, who chased around the neighborhood. <laughs> Except but I could, I can't play the violin either. I don't know why I keep using what? that. Yeah. Like, that would be something to strive for. It's in and of itself. But I was such a little nerd who, uh, uh, but not a football nerd. You found you found your lot in life. Where did you? Yeah. Where, where are you from? Where from, are you from? Uh, uh, Virginia, born in Richmond, raised in a little town called Farmville, and then uh, outskirts of uh, Richmond, a little uh, the county, uh, Chesterfield County. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up, grew up there. So I definitely grew up in uh, in a football loving land. Yeah, as I we mean, all do. The here Washington in D.C. area. I mean, that's yeah. Redskin country right there. Yeah, my girlfriend's very much into the Redskins and. She, uh, she needs what, a hug right now. I know. She needs a hug. I know that much, at least. I know she needs a hug right now. I know she needs a hug. Yeah, so you provide, you provide that, that, that comfort. Yes. You provide the comfort that she definitely needs yes. when it comes on that front. So wh- walk me through the Breaking Bad genesis here. When did you, when did you have this uh, ingenious idea of taking one of the more likable characters you've ever seen and turning him into completely something else? With the construct of what Breaking Bad is, when did you first come up with that? Vince? I came up with it. I was uh, I had been on I'd been a writer in the X Files for about uh, about seven years, mm-hmm. and that was uh, uh, as I always say now my second favorite job ever uh, after Breaking Breaking Bad has to take the cake. But that was, <laughs> I imagine so. But it was X Files was a wonderful job. I enjoyed the hell out of working on that. And, uh, and that's up in Vancouver, right? You shot that up in Canada, or the, f- the first five years we shot it in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and then the last four years because it went nine years, of which I worked on it for seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, last four years uh, took place in uh, right here in Los Angeles. We shot, mm-hmm. and when it ended in two thousand two, I was a bit bereft because it was a great job. And uh, about two years out from that, two thousand four, I was talking with a buddy of mine, a guy named Tom Schnauz. Uh, who is a big football fan? He could, <laughs> he could, he could, he could sit in for you on that front. But he's an old buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked together on uh, X Files. We've known each other since our NYU film school days, and we were both bemoaning the fact that uh, we didn't have a good job on the horizon like the X Files was. And he, uh, he said, "What are we? What are we fit for if we can't write? I mean, we're not getting any good writing jobs here." And, you know, the, the idea of Walmart greeter came up. You know. <laughs> Which you don't want to do on a Black Friday. No. Seriously. I've seen some of that footage. Jesus. Yeah, Christ. I think Walmart needs bigger entrances. Yeah. Don't you think? Like, they should have, like, 364-day-a-year entrance, one, and then for the 365th day of the year, they gotta, they just got to open them up. Amusement park turnstiles type something stuff. Something like something. that. Either that or People still get hurt. big guys with cattle prods. One or the other. I don't <laughs> know what. It is, man, I wouldn't go near that place on Black Friday. But uh, um, 
So we're like, what do we do now? And he had just read an article in the uh, New York uh, New York Times, I believe, about a meth lab that had, in an apartment building in New York. And he said, why don't we put a meth lab in the back of an RV and drive around and make money and see the sights? He's, that he's was got, his suggestion to you <laughs> as, to as a, do that as, as a job. This is not a yeah. This is just a you know a life choice there. He's, <laughs> if you know Tom, you know he's a, he, he has a very uh, warped sense of humor. He was joking. He mm-hmm. was not serious. But <laughs> when he made that joke, I, suddenly this idea flashed in front of my eyes. This uh, eureka kind of a moment where, man, what if I you know wrote a story wrote a story about a guy who did mm-hmm. that? And essentially, in hindsight, I realized. What interested me was that a guy like Tom or like myself, someone who was very much a law-abiding, somewhat boring, middle-aged guy, you know, might at one moment in their life decide to be a criminal. And break bad. And break bad. Exactly right. So, so, so that you put those two pieces together, and then, and then, and then what? You, you, you... I was very excited, which I, I seldom am. When I, I, I seldom have that. You know, a lot of writers will tell you, you know, you, you want that eureka moment where it's like, oh man, it all flashed in front of my eyes, and I see it all. And 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 those are so uh, few and far between. Usually, you just sort of banging your head against the desk trying to get the ideas to to joggle out of your your brain there. But uh, uh, when when I came up with this idea, I got very excited and uh, went to work on it. And within a few days or a week or so, I had enough to pitch uh, to a couple of gentlemen at uh, Sony Television. Yeah. Which is right down the street. Right down yeah. the street. Yeah, right down the street from here. Uh, Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich, two mm-hmm. guys that run Sony TV. And, uh, who worked for the great Steve Mosco, who yes. got his name dropped here just the other day. Um, who was it? It was Johnny Knoxville dropped right. his Steve yeah, Mosco name. That's right. Everybody I, drops the Steve Moscow name. Every, Steve, I love Steve. Steve yeah. is a great. I didn't know Steve at the time. I got to know him later. Steve, Steve is their boss. Exactly. Right. Exactly right. Uh, Zach and Jamie work for Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve's a great guy. Steve looks like a football player. Well, Steve, yeah. I mean, I don't. Was it, was it Knoxville? I think. Who, forgot who who was here who dropped his name because because he, he is a big. He's just a heck of an athlete. A man who he runs Sony Television, and he's he's an incredible uh, golfer as well. Yeah. And he took me, and and he's just a great great. He's a huge Ravens fan, a oh, gregarious nice. guy. Yeah. So he invited me to play golf with him on Labor Day, which came three days after the due date of my daughter. Oh. And this is how much my wife <laughs> loves Steve Mosco. She said, "Go." Wow. 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 Knowing Susie go. like that's, we do. Yeah. Go. She said go. Because we asked the week before. And she's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's I'm actually I'm true. Like, <laughs> For you, no. <laughs> no. For Steve Moscow, yes. <laughs> and so I showed up yeah. and he, God bless him, I won't say where, but he has his own personal golf cart. Oh. With the hood ornament of, of, uh, of Heisenberg. Is his hood oh, ornament? Seriously? Yes. Wow. I, did I think not he know took. That. I think wow. he took. He took a bobblehead. Oh, of Heisenberg. That's amazing. Okay, I love, it. I love it. And he put it on the front of his <laughs> golf cart. Weekend at Bernie's. And I'm like, this cart. is the greatest setup of all time. <laughs> yeah. He took he I took the it. bobblehead, you know, and there was like the there was like the blue the blue yeah. meth around the bottom of the bottom. I'm right. sure you've seen the I, merchandise. I have, well, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've seen the merchandise. Yeah. 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 So um, so at any rate, so yeah, I mean, you have this idea, but when did you come up with the idea of taking this meth lab and marrying it to somebody who has terminal cancer? I mean, it all came quickly. right away. You know, I guess in hindsight, it's reverse engineering it because it, sometimes that's the only sight you have is hindsight. But mm-hmm. in hindsight, I think I was intrigued at, at, a, at a very bland, 
milk toastish middle-aged guy who has never so much as as littered or jaywalked really mm-hmm. suddenly becoming a or trying to be at least uh, a criminal and so then your first question when that intrigues you when when in other words you say to yourself if i wanted if i personally vince gilligan wanted to become a criminal and make you know as a way to make as a means of making money hey why do i need the money that bad to to uh actually that is the first question why why do i need the money that bad to to do such a thing and then uh so then the actually the cancer came probably in that next step you know why does a guy who's very much a straight arrow need money very quickly does he have to pay off his brother's you know debt to the mob does he you, know, you run through all these you click off all these uh options on the checklist and then you you pretty quickly come to he's not going to be around long and he needs to leave money to his to his family so and was so I mean I know you so, you you ended up selling it to Sony, but having a great idea as you know in this town is one thing, right. and then going out and making making it is oh, yeah. entirely different. Oh, was yeah. was that was that a, a, a sell on site with Sony, or were, the, were you going around town and people were like, uh, "What else do you have? Did were, were, did you get that too?" To Sony's credit, to Zach and Jamie and Steve's credit, uh, and everybody there at Sony, it was it was. I, I guess I sold it in the room. I didn't realize that. I, selling it in the room typically means they shake your hand and say, let's do this thing. They did not tell me that. They had to, they had to let it percolate. They had mm-hmm. to think on it for about a week or so. But then they called me up and said, we're going to do this thing with you. So Sony, Sony very quickly signed on. Uh, and then, so that's the studio. That's your partner who's going who's gonna to actually you know, own this thing with right. you. And then you got to now your studio and you have to go out and find a, a, a distributor find a, or a broadcast. You got to you got to find your AMC. You had to find your AMC. And that was a bit of a process finding uh, getting to AMC uh involved uh, uh several uh no's, uh no thank yous along the way. Which which is not at all atypical for no. I mean every movie, every TV show, every book that you've ever loved, probably all the ones you hated too were were said uh no to by a half dozen people at least or more until but all it takes is the one yes so did you have to pilot it or did you get several episodes right off the bat did you what did you have to do we did a pilot AMC? we shot a pilot which wound up being the first episode yes or? exactly that's okay. the first episode uh that's the one in which everything's set up and and it starts with the pants flying through pants the air flying through the air <laughs> and the sirens in the distance sirens in the di- and the and the camcorder in his hand exactly you know it's amazing. I always say this. It's amazing whether you love a movie or a TV show or you hate it or anything in between. It's amazing the work that has to go. You know how many meetings we had with the uh, with the wardrobe, uh, our, our excellent uh, wardrobe designer? Like, what kind of fabric do we use? We need pants. Well, actually, I wish we had videotaped this. It was me running around with all the different pants. <laughs> different khakis? <laughs> to see which ones would fly the best. What, Dockers yeah. versus Gap versus yeah. versus Levi's, that sort of thing? Versus do we have to make it, uh, you know, out of some special cloth so that they float through the air like a kite just perfectly? Yeah. And, you know, it's just, uh, and then you do yeah, tests. Wow, that's crazy. Tests. <laughs> tests on Pants that. testing. Pants test, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you do wow. tests like uh, what what speed should we shoot it at? How slow mo should it be? You know that kind of thing. How did Brian Cranston get attached? How did you put Walter White with Brian Cranston, who is you know we we now everybody knows what a, a stellar A list yeah top 
10 maybe on our world actor that yeah, he is absolutely. for real absolutely okay uh, i mean at the time he's off coming off of malcolm in the middle yeah. seinfeld fans know him as the anti-dentite tim watley, <laughs> tim watley <laughs> right, right? Tim i mean right. and he's been in dozens oh yeah dozens of television shows and movies now he's he come he he's Walter White forevermore yeah. as well as whatever Argo I mean everything yeah, yeah. he does he's great in yeah. um, he's playing Lyndon Johnson now is he uh, really oh, wow. it, he opened it he and uh, Michael McKeon and uh, uh, it, it's uh, a play that's that started up in uh, I think Cambridge uh, now it's going to be on Broadway this this no spring. kidding yeah. as LBJ LBJ that's yeah. why he, at, uh, when you guys did Talking Live right he, he didn't he Skype in or something for one of those because yes. he was in the middle of the play or... you're right because he was in the play yeah yeah, yeah. no crazy. kidding I can't wait to see it I haven't yeah. seen it yet what era LBJ post assassination or do you know or anything about it or because I sh- I should know this no uh, you shouldn't I well, mean no, you got, you're a busy he, man I, well I talked to him about it I. Uh, I'm not sure to be honest. Well, I, we'll I'm, have to see. I know. Looking we'll have forward to, to see seeing it. it yeah. So, when did he did he audition? I mean, how did you get him as Walter White or put I him in? I was very lucky. I get a lot of credit uh, for 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 thinking of the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. You know, people say, "How in the world he's so very different than Malcolm in the Middle?" Had you had you uh, had you know to hire him for this thing? And I get credit. I am not due because I was lucky. I worked with him. Uh, about a year and a half before Malcolm in the Middle went on the air uh, in an episode of The X-Files. We needed a very scary, very nasty, uh, unpleasant bad guy for a particular episode, and he was going to be in a car for the entire 47 minutes or whatever it was, <laughs> 45 minutes of running time, with Agent Mulder, or the star. Yeah. And he was going to be holding a gun in his head and saying, if you stop, I'll shoot you. And the guy winds up being kind of this anti-Semitic, kind of a creep, the, the character, and... You loathe him at the beginning, uh, and you're scared of him. And yet, at the end of the episode, spoiler alert, when he uh, succumbs, all about, yeah. When he succumbs to the uh, to the uh, the supernatural thing that's uh, disturbing him, you're supposed to feel bad for him, even though he doesn't have some sea change and become a good guy all of a sudden. So this was a hard part to cast, and this was like 1999 or so, and all these really good actors come in who could play scary at the drop of a hat. But we we had a hard time finding the really good, scary, formidable actor who could also be likable when the time came. And we were at our wits' end. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in with long hair and a beard. His name is Brian Cranston. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't I didn't realize, in fact, I had seen him on Seinfeld. And I had I had didn't realize I'd seen him as Buzz Aldrin and From the Earth to the yeah, Moon. Yeah, right. And he's the, he played the one-armed uh, officer who sends uh, Tom Hanks on his mission and saving Private Ryan. Oh. He's a real uh, <laughs> chameleon, obviously. We he all is. know now. And he walked in, and I, I didn't know him from Adam, and he just nailed it. And as he walked, we shook his hand. He walks out of the room, and we said, "Off to work, off to wardrobe." You know, that's it. That was it and for the X Files. For the X Files, uh-huh. and when uh, I saw the finished episode, I couldn't be there every day because you know you're writing. You couldn't be out in Saugus or wherever they're shooting Lancaster or whatever. But uh, you see the footage come in. You're like, man, we made the right choice. And I, I, I worked with a lot of great actors on on the X Files for seven years. A lot of excellent actors. But this was one of the very few I said to myself, i got to work with this guy again someday. Just a little voice told me that or something. And so when I sat down to write Breaking Bad, very quickly after I had this, this eureka moment, this idea, you start to think as you're sitting down, who do you picture? Who's the picture in your head? And sometimes it's okay to picture someone who's not even alive. You know, if, if Spencer Tracy or, or Jimmy Cagney is the right guy, 
you know, whatever it takes to get the thing on, on paper. But as I sat down to do this thing, I was picturing Brian Cranston. But uh, no kidding, when you really were was. when you created Walter White, yeah, I was thinking you were of him. thinking this is Brian Cranston's yeah. role yeah. as you're writing this pilot. Because I also realized it was it was about 18 months after we did this X file episode back in 99, 98, whenever it was, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, I'm watching this uh, commercial for. Uh, 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 this new show called Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And I said, who is this guy? He yeah, vaguely Brian familiar. <laughs> it's the guy. Yeah, and right. I, I literally said out loud to no one in particular. I was alone in the room at the time. I said, I didn't know this guy could be funny. So <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> he, and, wow. and, he can do anything. And what he has become through Breaking Bad, uh, I mean, it, it, it's remarkable. I assume you did see... Uh, the Anthony Hopkins letter, right? That yes, that, I that got I, I that yes, was put I on did. the internet. That yeah. that that Sir Anthony Hopkins yeah. binge watched yes. your show, yes. which has to blow your mind it, too, right? It, I, I know it blows <laughs> Brian's mind. I should say I should take this opportunity to say that Brian felt a little sheepish about that winding up on the internet. He sent he sent that to a few friends. He 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 was as well. He should as, as, well, as well. He should. He was. Blown, I would do that yeah. too. He was blown away by it, as as any of us would have been, because right. Sir Anthony is an acting god. He's yeah, a, and and apparently just a wonderful guy. I've never never met him, but a wonderful guy. Sort and, of like Brian Cranston. Yeah, just like, and so Brian sent it to a few select friends, uh, and one of them uh, who uh, he got a little annoyed at, mm. uh, <laughs> wanted to put it on the internet. But so that was not Brian. Uh, actually, I just want anyone listening. That was not Brian who put it out there. Right, but yeah. I mean, uh, just seeing what he wrote him, amazing. Yeah, and and how he described. I mean, he and clearly it wasn't just, was. It was the whole cat. I mean, yeah, he, he true. Was oh yeah, that's over, true too. Everybody, specifically Brian, but he mentioned yeah. you know yeah. everybody. Yeah. There. So, did you know at the time when you started this just how bad Walter White would break? Did no. you know that at the time when you started out? Very good question. No, I don't. I did not. I did not know how long. Well, first of all, you know, it probably goes without saying, you don't know whether you're going to get a yes or a no. Once you get a yes, you don't know if it's going to extend past season one. Sure. Uh, having said all of that, I did not really have a hard or, hard or fast hard and fast, whatever the uh, idea of how long this thing was going to go and how bad Walt was going to get. I, I pitched it. In the room, uh, from the get-go, we're going to take Mr. Chips and turn him into Scarface. <laughs> take take the yeah. good guy, turn him into the bad guy. But indeed, how 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 wide that 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 spectrum might potentially spread from good to goodness to badness was was unknown to me. Because it, it was that was part of the beauty of the early parts of of your show is that you were sort of. In his shoes, yeah. right, as as seeing how he was breaking bad and how the choices that he made, he felt he needed to make right. and was using that as a way of uh, a justification of his actions right. and at times maybe even being so horrified by his actions himself right. 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 and watching how all of those wounds would get cauterized by either the money or the power or, yeah. and just watching him sink yeah. deeper and deeper and yeah. deeper into it. And I just want to know if how you as the creator and yeah. writer with your writers in the room and sure. figuring out where, what this is, yeah. how you, how you, you went through that process. If you were maybe even going through it by yourself in that way, definitely not by myself. Uh, the only time I ever worked on a show by myself was was coming up with that very first episode, that pilot, and then I I 
had the great good fortune to to hire six excellent writers. Among them, my my crazy friend Tom, who, mm-hmm. who was the original impetus. As well, for he yeah, should. As well, he should. Hey, if yeah. somebody's going to suggest as we're unemployed, let's go get a meth lab and drive around. <laughs> that's that, the guy. He's hired. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> he's need. hired for Breaking Bad. You, you yeah. go, you bail him out of jail. You you you, you put him. Yes. In the- <laughs> how how long did it take you to work on the pilot? Like how long until you were like, yeah, this is it, and this is the script I'm submitting. That's a good question. You know how long it all it all it all runs together in my memory uh i probably took oh god probably a month and a half something like that to to write it what what i marvel at too is whenever you watch a show you guys would do the the lead-ins those mid 90 second vignettes or pieces the beginning of the show that some of them didn't get paid off for the end of the season or even next season we didn't really know what we were seeing so when you wrote did you did you have a season and a half in advance, and then you would go back and adjust before you started shooting. Or yeah, I guess at which point? Just... At which point did you, after you were picked up? Yeah. Did you? How far out? I guess that that, yeah, that ties everything it, together. What baffles here. me, I can't wrap my head around like how detail oriented right. and how everything intertwined and pl- it's like you had yeah. the whole thing at once yeah. written perfectly. I, I'm glad it looked that way. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the. I'll, I'll let you in on the secret. The secret is we were indeed very. Very detail oriented, and and my six writers and myself, my six writers were really a smart, wonderful group of people, and we all worked together very well. But the key to it is, like I'll give you an example. We had at the beginning of season five, Walt is at a Denny's, and he buys uh, he buys uh, something. Where what is in a, in, a, in, a, in the men's room there? And we're like, oh, what is this? And it's an M60 machine gun. He's got in the trunk of this yeah. car. When we came up with that. We didn't know what he was going to use it for. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and that's wow. the amazing thing is all of these blogs, Vince. I mean, and, and you know when a show that you've created has reached a certain uh, level yeah. where it's tied into the zeitgeist and, and, and people are blogging and, and parsing every single utterance or object that's in a scene and then tying it back to something five months later oh i remember when that was in episode two clearly they were setting the stage for episode nine that you may have been doing sometimes we were sometimes we weren't we were good as i always like to say we were good stewards of our own history in other words what looked what hopefully looked like it was planned or 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 destined or whatever from the get-go uh or certainly what was planned by the writers very often, sometimes we planned. We always the the short answer is we always planned as far and as in advance as we could. But very often it came down to going back. Like for instance, we had the character of Tio, uh, yeah. uh, played by the wonderful Mark Margolis, who's in the wheelchair with, with the, the bell. bell. Mm-hmm. He wound up being absolutely crucial uh, to you know four years into the show he wound up being absolutely crucial to the to the plot line because he's the guy who winds up blowing up gustavo fring the 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 most formidable bad guy we ever had on the show but one of the most mind-blowing endings of all the mind-blowing endings that you 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 set the stage for giancarlo so good giancarlo esposito brilliant smokes but that but that scene the paying it off yeah. in the in the nursing home, right? Yeah, and then you want to talk about, uh, and we'll, I definitely want to return to finish your story. Oh, but while we're on this thing right sure. now, just talking about how everyone's thinking about how you are stewards of your own history, and everything is is there for a reason. That Gus Fring, when he had had half of his face blown right. off, yeah. that you did that on purpose for various reasons, imagery reasons, and 
uh, allegorical reasons right. and things. Is that is that true? Well, there uh, folks pointed out that the, the the pink teddy bear in the pool way back in season two had half a face, a burned off face, mm-hmm. and people said, "Oh, so we're mirroring that." You guys are mirroring that purposefully with Gustavo Fring's face. I'm just going to be honest and say I, I wasn't the least bit aware. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best you get. I just got to be honest. I got to be honest because I think I would have done it because I think they're opposite sides of the face for one thing. But uh, but I, I I love this is what I love about our fans. Aside from the fact that they kept us on the air for all these years, you guys. This is what I love about you guys and all the fans is. Folks who take such a delight in something I had a hand in making, it makes me feel so, so to 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 the point that they find con- they make connections, and they and they come up with uh, like uh, I, I named the very last episode Felina uh, because it's a uh, one of my assistants pointed out it's an anagram for finale, mm-hmm. and it's also we spell it a little different, but it's also the name of the uh, the the temptress in the song uh, El Paso, El Paso by, right. by Marty Marty Robbins. Someone out, but people out there figure, figured out that the F E, iron, L I yeah. lithium, uh, N A sodium salt. They they came up with this amazing mythology. Had to, nothing to do with. Had that. nothing to, as far <laughs> as I was concerned. Nothing to do with anything. But I loved that they came up with it. God bless them for it. It's when you have that. When you can, I've never in my life, not with anything I've done, uh, stirred up that level of passion and 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 complete strangers and it's so intoxicating. Well, that's why so when I, that's why I cost you in the airport. It's great. But returning to your story about the the bell. Um, so well, this guy, this guy with the in the wheelchair with the bell, this character, he winds up being crucial, integral to 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 uh, the greater mythology of the show. Uh, when we first, I tell you for sure, when we first uh, created that character. We didn't have any such idea that he would last past that first episode. He's first episode he appears in. He's in this uh, this little cabin out in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. Right. And you don't know whether he's uh, you know in a vegetative state or what. You don't know what his story is. And the actor we cast was so wonderful, Mark Margolis, that we all all the writers and I said to ourselves after the episode, "Man, that guy was great. He didn't say a word, and he was so good, and he was such a pleasure to be around. Let's find a way to get that character." in the show back in no, yeah maybe next week let's see if we can get him in the next episode and that's how this is it's a wonderful organic process tv is more so than movies uh because you have a longer time to to be organic in other words you know you just you're going to find out certain truths about your actors you're going to find out what they're what they're really good at you're going to want to incorporate that into into the into the storytelling you're going to sometimes you lose a, a location we lost uh, we lost certain houses that characters lived in along the way because they get sold out from under us. You you wind up making uh, uh, lemonade out of lemons week in and week out as best you can. But but it leads you to some really wonderful gifts like like uh, Mark Margolis playing Tio and and becoming so important to the story because you like the guy so much. And then there are characters that are that you have to have for this to work yeah. other than Walter White you yeah. need to have because everything's about relationships yeah. in this world correct you're right and so obviously his wife yeah, yeah. is crucial yeah. and then there's Jesse yeah w- which which one do you think when it's all said and done Walter was most attached to throughout the the really good the question. arc of this show well really good question I think I think he you know that's a uh, that's that is a, a really good question. I'm I probably love gonna, that. I've, I'm I've gonna, hit you, a really, you, you, you It's a stumper, and I'm going to get in trouble no matter how I 
no matter which well, way I, don't I answer. Want to, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> I got to think. Well, listen, the thing about Walter White is if he were here, if he were a real person, he would say, my wife, obviously. that, that Yeah, uh, but he'd the, be lying. He'd be lying because that, <laughs> that was his superpower, his ability to lie to anyone, most of all himself. You're right. And you're believe right. it. And, yeah, believe and believe it. it. And you're exactly right. Uh, it, it's a very easy argument could be made for the fact that uh, Jesse Pinkman was a, certainly a more crucial uh, partnership uh, than, than, than was uh, Skyler, Walt's, Walt's wife. But, uh, you know, if you didn't have the first uh, partnership, if you didn't have his wife and his family, he wouldn't have sought out the second partnership. Because Correct. when he started the whole thing, it was uh, to help out his family, although he quickly became drunk on, on the, the power of it. That's one of my favorite lines of the entire show was when he said that he wants to be in the empire business. Yeah. That's when he, I mean... Yeah. That's another question I want to ask for you. Is what, what do you think was his lowest moment? I mean, when he was the absolute scum of the earth for what he did. Oddly enough, and I what you had him do. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was him watching Jesse's girlfriend die. That that that's a good pick. A lot of people would pick that, and and it's not like they'd be wrong. There's no right or wrong to it. But I, for me, it was probably. He always had a reason for a lot of these terrible things he did up until a point in season five where it became the reasons were less pragmatic in, in nature and more personal. Like when he shot the character of Mike, he really didn't need to do that. He didn't need to do that. But he did it. He was in a, he had a fit of, it was like a fit of peak. It was a fit of, of ego, of bruised ego. And, and it was, uh, and, you know, you and also have, just like, I'll show you, you know, yeah, like you I'll don't mess you. with it. was that, yeah. that was a true Scarface type yeah. moment yeah. where you can't, you don't mess with the family in a way, right. you know, quote unquote. You don't mess with the family, and you don't, and you yeah. die it if you do right. that. If you cross me, yeah, that was really because I, I, I'm, and the way you played with my emotions, sitting there rooting for him, yeah. rooting for Walter <laughs> right. White to right. succeed, rooting for him not to get caught, yeah, and then seeing him poison a child which i couldn't believe that he would do yeah. i mean that to me that's when <laughs> that i thought bad too. <laughs> but the way you also revealed it also at the end of the yeah. at the end of the season where he's he's got the plant in his backyard yeah. that he now we're all putting two and two together which by the way also i appreciate so many shows will just take the the hammer the mallet and just hit you over the head in the most obvious way it's one of those moments we have to turn the set off and think did i just see the plant in the backyard <laughs> right oh my god I, the, I think i rewound it like three times to oh, figure right. it out sure. right cool. to figure yeah. it out right you know that's the, another thing that i love about Excellent. the show vince Excellent. is that Thank you, you always you, you know you, you left a lot open to interpretation Excellent. and 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 the intellectual side of my television viewing was always Excellent. Always we would talk intrigued. About every, every we would come in here and uh, every every day. After I know. The show, well, try, and there's a couple of episodes we had you. You would try to make leave. It, it you would, had to leave the room actually, because I was you really were appreciative of like you guys not really spoiling. Well, because the, for me. because the, the journey, the, the right. show is all about this journey. When I remember when I said that I was going to embark on this, and you were like, oh, right. like you said at the top, so jealous that. I'm going to see all this fresh for the first time. Right. And also shooting Mike, too, because he was one of my favorite characters. I'm like, John, oh, my God, is Jonathan he really going to die? I mean. He'd be a good guy to have on your show. I bet you he could talk for I'd love he's, it. He's from D.C. Jonathan and, uh, Banks. I think a we, wonderful guy. We can also talk, if I'm not mistaken, 40, 48 hours and with Beverly him. And Beverly Hills Cop. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he died in the early parts of 48 hours, yeah. right? Wasn't he the, one of the cops? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Yes, indeed. Check that out. Well, I am DB that I up. Know, I know for sure he's in... Uh, 
he's a bad guy in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Right. Yeah. And he was also my favorite show of the uh, mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. Appointment television, as they say, before I ever knew that phrase, was Wise Guy. Wise Guy. And he played uh, he played uh, Ken Wall's boss on Wise Guy. Right. And, man, I, God, all through college, it was just like whatever night of the week it was, we were there. Some of the other people you've casted, too, Vince, you mentioned, it's funny, you saw Mr. Chips to Scarface. Stephen Bauer oh, yes! was in one of the greatest scenes yeah. of your show. Down in what was that? Uh, down in Mexico, down in Mexico yeah, yeah, yeah. where they pulled off one of the greatest capers of yeah. all time to get out of a very sticky situation. I'm yeah. trying not yeah. to spoil it while spoiling well, it away. But Stephen, you got somebody from Scarface. Well, we got, in, and, and by the way, Mark Margolis, Tio. Is in he's in Scarface too. too. He's also Mr. Shikadance from uh, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. By the way, did you look <laughs> it up? Am I right? Yeah, he's in forty-eight. He hours. is in forty-eight. Jonathan Banks is yeah. definitely in forty-eight hours. He's yeah. one of the guys who you know when, when who did, goes in the in the beginning. You so would, anyways, love, so you Steven, would love Jonathan. He's I would love guy. it. Absolutely. Great guy. So yeah. Stephen Bauer. I mean, that, Stephen Bauer's a great guy too. He was God. We had such. We never had a we never had a clunker in the yeah box. who sucked just no they were all they were all actors actresses they were all great and they mm-hmm. were all wonderful people just sweet good people who were there to work what do you make of the animus that uh, Anna Gunn the actress who played Skyler received what do you make of that just based on Skyler's yeah. activities because I, personally I I was stunned to re- I think she wrote an op ed piece yeah. in the in the, the Times, Times right yeah, you sure about sure you know hey everybody sort of back off right. I'm not Skyler <laughs> and and you can't I mean how how do you blame Skyler for her actions yeah. it, for for being no, duped yeah. so long being yeah. lied to her face by her husband yeah who you're you're caring for yeah. and you're ner- you're you're worried about your future based yeah. on his terminal cancer yeah. Yeah. and she learns about all this stuff and how it involves her own yeah. side of the family. Yeah. How is she supposed to I, act you and know, react? This is a this is this is the sixty four thousand dollar question. I I I I don't want to paint everyone who disliked the character of 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 Skyler with the same brush. I don't think the audience is is monolithic. I think we all have our own individual reasons for feeling the way we feel. Mm-hmm. But you know, you gotta think some of it was uh, was was misogyny. You know, some of it was just like you know a female character. Uh, but not all of it. I'm not saying I don't want to paint everyone with that brush who who didn't like her because I've met plenty of women who really hated the character Skyler. <laughs> well, that could also speak to the depth of how much we were rooting for Walter and that she was viewed as an impediment to his empire building. Maybe it's as much in a way. as anything. Uh, I had a, a conversation with a very. A uh, very astute gentleman one time who who pointed out that it's possible that people don't like powerless characters and and the truth uh, this the story wise what we did to poor what we writers did to poor Skyler as a character was we made her powerless. She played a game of chicken with her husband. She threatened to call the police and he said, "Hey, call him. You know what do I care? You know it's my house, my family. If if you know I'm not going anywhere." And she. She played the game of chicken with him, and she lost. And f- from that point on, she she was uh, she broke bad. She well, she started to break bad, but she was increasingly twisting herself into knots, trying to to resolve this this issue. You know, I want to keep my family intact. I don't want to hurt my children by letting them know who my husband really is. But if my husband, if the police show up one day, knock, kick the door down, or if a bunch of mobsters come in and machine gun us all to death, I mean, you know what? She was in an absolutely untenable situation and as it was pointed out to me uh folks don't like we viewers uh don't like powerless characters because who amongst us ever 
wants to feel powerless. It's not a feeling anyone enjoys, although we all know what it feels like. We've all had it. Even the most powerful amongst us know the feeling. We've had it at least occasionally from time to time. It's a tough part to play, and Anna Gunn played it masterfully. And it's, a, it's in a sense, a thankless role to play, and, and she, she felt the, you know, the slings and arrows of that. Uh, you know, this powerless character who, who some would term was kind of a bitch, I don't. I never saw her that way. I saw her as this poor character being twisted in a knot. But sometimes you hear folks, yeah. you know, pregnant. Yeah, with a with. Right. A, I mean, with yeah. a with a, and 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 with an older son who, yeah. um, who who Who's needs help CP? getting around, yeah, exactly. and and yeah. a husband who's yeah. dying of cancer, yeah. and then you find out he's selling meth. Yeah, and and yeah. cooking it up. Yeah, and yeah. is is damn good at it too. Yeah, and so the the. There's so many questions to ask. Yeah, it's a bit of a so double right standard. Now. It's a bit of a double standard in it for for when you know you can be you can be unpleasant and uh, get in the protagonist way. You know, if it, 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 it's 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 a bit of a double. It's it's trickier for for actors. Did you know that you were going to have her like kind of turn like not not break but turn she bad? Did. And, she did. No, listen. I mean, she put a, she, she put a hit out on her boss, right? With that went yeah, bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, she didn't want it. She didn't want him hurt, she, but, but she did want him intimidated. She, yeah. she yeah. put yeah. scared. Listen, yeah. she put yeah. some bad people in his house. Yeah. Let's she put did. it that she way. Did. And she that did. situation broke very yeah. bad. Yeah. Okay. Bad. She did that, and then when it she did You're have right. and and that was the beautiful part about this the the your final season too, is that when, um, you know when her sister yeah. and brother in law yeah. find out about. Everything. Yeah, yeah. She is culpable. Yeah, no, and viewed and there's no other there's really no defense in no, many ways. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. For some of her actions. No, not at all. Towards them for sure and no, how they yeah. were affected. No, not at all. It's uh it's uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Her intentions just like uh on the on the face of it, Walt's intentions at the beginning of it all, I wanna I wanna do the right thing for my family. The ends justify the means. That she she fell under under the sway of that argument as well. She I was thinking, he's smart enough, if I can help him not get caught, he's not going to last too much longer. The cancer's going to take him eventually. I just, this, I want to make the best of a very bad situation I did not create. But, yes. I and mean, also be rich when he goes, too, yeah, right? And, you know, and have the money. Yeah, and I think, I don't, I would like to believe, in my own heart of hearts, I don't think money drove her. I think it was a desire to keep the family intact. She says, there's a line she says at one point, I want to protect this family from the man who protects this family. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. He was the guy who was always ostensibly, you know, per, you know, the protector of the family. But he says, well, he finally real. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the ending. But uh, I realize there are a lot of folks listening. No, no, no. Listen, we no, this, no. We, no, we, we already hear the spoiler. Please go ahead. Okay. This well, is for people he, who he finally, well, he finally realizes. Uh, uh, well, it's not for football fans. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it is. You have no idea. No, Vince, you have no idea. You have no idea how how this show has struck the heart of football fans. Seriously, go for it, please. God, God bless all you guys listening, uh, men and women. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, he finally figures out. Walt finally figures out. He does it for himself because it feels good. But uh, what a scene that was in the finale too, oh, be- yeah. between the two of them. God, that was. And how you set it up where where he's revealed having oh, been in the kitchen. I'm so glad you, you like. You that. put a pole in between the yeah. two of them spatially. I'm so glad you like that. Oh my gosh, come on! Vince. Yeah, we, we talked. That was please. I'm so glad that was that was one of those happy accidents. We were in a real location, the real interior of the exterior that you see in the in the episode, 
and I love the layout of these little apartments. Uh, it was a very modest sort of uh, uh, apartment complex where the rents were, you know, for folks not not folks of means, as it were. And I wanted to shoot inside the real place, and my producer said, you're crazy. You'll never be able to get the camera crew in here. It's too tight. So our excellent production designer, Mark Freeborn, and uh, W. Gilpin, our construction coordinator, built the an exact copy of the place, except one foot bigger in each dimension. But more importantly, you could fly the walls. You could take them out so you could get everybody in and out. But that in the real place, there was a post exactly like that that they recreated. And as I'm sitting there arguing with my producer, saying, I think we could shoot in here. <laughs> I, I say, let's get the location manager. Where, where did he go? I want to talk to him about the possibility of shooting in here. He says, and I hear this, right here, boss. And I look around, and he's sitting on the, he's in the kitchen doing something on his BlackBerry or whatever. And the post had hidden him completely from my view. Wow. And I, I move like, you know, six inches, and all of a sudden I see him revealed behind the thing, and I said, "Man, I got to put that in the show." You just no see the dolly shot. Yeah. So that's, that's how that that's shot how, came about. So I, cool. I'm not imagining enough to come up with this stuff on my own. Oh. I need mean, I mean, I mean <laughs> to happen in real life. That's so. amazing. Wow. <laughs> uh, we'll get into the finale uh, in a few. I still want to just trace some of the DNA back. We're here. going a little longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you don't okay, mind, okay. if you don't that's mind, fine. oh great. Yeah, the yeah. Jesse character yeah. growing him. Yeah. Growing him uh, from, you know, some pothead and doofus who's, you know, putting, uh, what, spice in his meth or whatever he was doing. Yeah, uh, chili, chili pee. Yeah, chili yeah, 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 chili. chili sp- okay, whatever. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all of that to yeah. what he what he became yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. What was what, what was your guidance for for his character? I mean, where how did you come up with that? Well, you know, I got to tell you, Rich, it's just it's the thing I love so much about TV uh if you were open to inspiration you get it from all kinds of sources and and a good example a story I've I've told before but worth telling again is I very the only time as I said the only time I worked in the show by myself was coming up with a pilot and during that period I thought to myself we'll introduce this knucklehead character Jesse Pinkman he will be Walter White's entree into the world of criminality yes. and then having served his purpose at the end of the first season if we're lucky enough to get a first season i'll kill him off no it's, kidding in some in some tar- horrific uh, cinematic dramatic way and it'll make walt very feel very guilty uh and very that he got his uh young knucklehead partner killed and he'll feel enraged and he'll go off on some rampage of revenge in the second season that'll be very dramatic it was all i was thinking very schematically as i say and then you cast the guy. We cast Aaron Paul. And by the by halfway through the second episode, I, I took him aside. Just I said, hey, guess what? I was going to kill you off. And his eyes got all big. I said, no, I'm telling you this is a compliment. There's no way I would do that now. Your character, it wasn't even about the character. The actor was so damn good. Incredible. And, and such a wonderful young guy to, to just, a guy that made everybody happy being around him he was so happy to be there he was so excited to be doing this job he was like a ray of sunshine he made everybody smile when he was around he literally i'm not even like you know you you always oh everyone was great we everyone loved everyone sometimes it's not true with with movies and tv shows but really this bunch of people it was lightning in a bottle it was so special these people were so pleasant to be around aside from being so talented and so like like with aaron paul you get a guy like that, he's money in the bank. He's a pleasure to be around. He's going to give you 150%. And very quickly you say to yourself, that idea I had, I'm getting rid of that. I'm, I'm, there's no way 
I would stand on ceremony and abide by my original idea and kill this character off. I can't figure something else. I came to it in season two at the end, and people were like, "Jesse's character, you're going to hate him at first. He's going to be annoying. You're not going to, you're not going to like the kid." And it's a credit to the way he was written and the way he acted it. Well, it's just not come full circle. Yeah, you do. Well, it's because of also you, 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 you figuratively and literally flipped the script too, Vince, because you made him somebody that that Walter White fell in love with. I mean, he basically became attached to him in a yeah. fatherly way right. and and used him as yeah. well yeah. definitely used yeah. him yeah. and it went from you know here's my stooge of a former student who yeah. I can't believe I need I need to associate myself with for yeah. my family and for the sake of it yeah. then saving him and lording over him yeah. while also using him yeah. and also making him miserable in yeah. some of the most fascinating ways that he didn't reveal to him until the latter stages right. of the final season. Right. Yeah. So what a shame that would have been if you had killed him off. It would have been a completely different show. They it were, it you, wouldn't have been the show. It, I, we, I very likely wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because, <laughs> because it might have lasted a few seasons or it, it might have gone six or seven seasons, but it might not have been the same thing. I mean, it just, you know, that character and the way they interacted together, it, Back to your question of a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a really strong argument to be made that that was the central central relationship to the series, and it and it it had to be. You know? Well, I thought so too. Based on again, we'll weave in the finale as well. That was the final relationship that got paid off. Well, that's a good point. You before, say before yeah before he met his maker. You're right. That's that the, was the yeah. last one. Yeah, I thought you did that on purpose. Oh, absolutely, we a, did. Yeah, yes, I, that is. I, I was vacillating a couple of minutes ago. Yes, you're right. It is clearly because you save the most important payoff in that final episode. Uh, you're in that final conclusion. You're 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 paying off the most important things last, and and obviously uh, his relationship with his wife is very important. The son, but then, and the son as well. But then in that uh, final act, of course, there's uh, you know all, all hell breaks loose. Uh, you know there's. Uh, resolution through violence but then but then uh, there's you, you not have to resolve those two characters the, the most important I relationship mean, there you yeah. beat the crap out of Jesse though <laughs> we over did the, I mean <laughs> we did it's some did. of the worst I mean did, did you ever feel bad we did some of the things that you put him through we, we all did we we felt uh because sometimes they were very in real life terms very hard physically we we had uh he he had a fight, for instance, uh, when when the character of uh, Tuco back in season two, the crazy guy who mm-hmm. snort meth off the tip of the Bowie knife, <laughs> played by uh, Raymond Cruz, is an excellent actor, really sweet guy, not not at all like that, but he plays a really mean uh, bad guy. And at one point, he throws Jesse through the screen door, and and Aaron was like, ah, I'm up for it, boss. It's it's it's, it's gonna be great, but someone. And nobody's fault. It was just a mistake was made. Someone left the screen door latched. Oh, no. In between takes. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it was windy out or something. I'm not sure why. And so, you know, take two or whatever. And boom, he comes smashing through this door. And we're like, wow, that one looked really good. I wonder why. <laughs> and then they're fighting. And, you know, the thing goes on 30, 40, 50 more seconds. And then it's, oh, that was great. Cut. The director calls cut. It's like, wow, hey, great job. And he's like. 
I think I gotta go to the hospital. No, <laughs> he had a concussion from coming through this door because it was uh, it was uh, no locked. kidding. They broke the door open with his head. Oh my gosh! It was it was nobody's Jesus. fault. It was uh, he'd be out for the week in the NFL. Yeah. Right? Not, he would, yeah, he'd have to go through the protocol <laughs> before going go back onto the <laughs> set. <laughs> yes, you are you are correct on that front. I mean, but if you like, you think about it. Um, so essentially, um, he 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 his girlfriend. Um, his girlfriend's kid gets poisoned. His girl, yeah. His, uh, that's yeah. after his girlfriend um, dies of vomiting on her own. Yeah, choking, and choking on her own, own vomit. vomit. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that happened to yeah. him. Um, he eventually uh, watched the son who of the, the girlfriend who got poisoned right. uh, watched. Him get orphaned. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He watched his money, that. His money yeah. held he's, away from him. And he's gotten from him. Yeah. beaten up. Money taken away from him. Um, what else am I missing? Just the general. That, well, the, his buddy, his other buddy, Skinny Pete and uh, Badger, the other one that died. The other also. guy got killed. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've killed. seen that's happened to him. I mean, uh, we're definitely missing some he was highlights made to, here. Made to live in a little uh, spider hole. Yeah. Enslaved. He's been enslaved. Yeah. We had that. Beaten up more times than I can count. Yeah. I can't tell you. I was yeah. standing. I don't get up often when I'm watching a show. When he's trying to get away from the Nazis and he's running, that's the first. Like I stood up and I'm like, I'm yeah, you're, you're rooting, rooting so for him hard. so hard to get yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but this is a perfect yeah. moment to point out the fact that our listeners internationally of this podcast, Vince, think that Chris Law sounds like Badger. Would you agree with that assessment? You know something now that you, <laughs> Rich, now that you mentioned, yes, you do. I get it. Yeah, I get it a lot. You uh, do so to the point where people started hitting up Matt Jones about it, and now we follow each other on Twitter. I think he's going to come in. He's <laughs> He's going to come in at some point on the show. Because he's a big Chicago Bears he's a big fan, Bears too, right? Fan, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting how, because I'm seeing you in person, it didn't <laughs> dawn on me because cause, uh, visuals are so, yeah. you know, uh, but if I just, yeah, just hearing you. Well, yeah, if you ever need some voiceover work for well, any pickups absolutely. for cartoon series. Well, it's sort of unfortunately. Uh, Skinny Pete and, and Badger are great examples, too, about how you needed a little bit of comedy, oh, comic yeah. relief, but nobody embodied that more than Saul. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, did yeah, you? Yeah. When did you get the idea of we, we need to get some sleazy lawyer and get Bob Odenkirk to play him <laughs> and just write the heck out of that character. When did you get that? This was a little, uh, uh, it was about halfway through season two, and uh, we figured it was time for, for Walt to have a, you know, we love The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two so much. It's like perfect movies, two perfect gems Agreed. of a movie, both Agreed. of them. And, uh, of course, in The Godfather, uh, you know, uh, the Don has his consigliere, and uh, you know, uh, Michael Corleone uh, had uh, had uh, Tom Hagen, mm-hmm. and uh, we figured, what kind of consigliere would, uh, <laughs> would, would Walter White does he merit? You know, and uh, we came up with, oh, uh, the, or, or actually, uh, we all as a group, uh, you know, came up with it. But uh, that that episode in which he first appears was written by a wonderful writer named uh, Peter Gould. Who I am now working with, uh, and Bob Odenkirk is working with us. For uh, Better Call Saul, we're correct? We're doing a spinoff. We're doing a spinoff series with uh, with uh, with Bob Odenkirk, and he is so much fun to write for because he is so the character is so and the actor as well. But the character is so verbose. He and he he uses words as a as a as a. I mean, they're just he has this amazing facility with them, and it's typically you know. I like to think of uh, Breaking Bad as kind of a western, and to the point that sometimes characters are a bit taciturn the way the best uh, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne movies are. Uh, but there's this is the one character who has this gift of gab, this Irish sort of gift of gab, you know, the, where he uh, 
he just uses uh, they're his weapon they're his uh peacemaking uh facility they they can do he can do anything with them and, and having his office though with the, was yeah. it the constitution that's <laughs> yeah, behind yes, him yes, I mean, what a stroke of genius <laughs> in a strip mall too to have, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite part the, that's the absolute best part. Ball. part to have the constitution the is his club, wallpaper right yes absolutely i, mean, I love he's got this line in one, on one point says, the constitution says you have rights and so do i you know he's one of those, <laughs> one of those guys <laughs> if you go to Albuquerque, by the way, where we shot that is mm-hmm. now a uh, urban cowboy style uh, uh, bar with the with the uh, with the mechanical bull in it. Is that right? Yeah, where we shot is off. Or where we shot the exterior, at least. Yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah. that's what you it's, can go ride a mechanical. Bull. Is, there like a, is there a tour yet in Albuquerque? Like there is probably in the works. Right? That, that, they've had it for about a year or so now. There is wow, a, a wow. trolley, a bus that looks like a trolley that goes around to different locations and. If anyone listening uh, is a big fan and wants to to check out these locations, uh, Albuquerque is a very friendly town. A lot of great people, but please be uh, please be respectful because these are real people's houses. Yeah, a lot yeah of I'm yeah, sure. Please my, be respectful. Uh, my roommate yeah. worked in Albuquerque uh, for six months or so, and when we were watching, he's getting caught up too. He's like, "Oh, that parking garage I used to park in," and he's just like pointing out all yeah. these spots that he would go to. It's like yeah. a tour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some quick hitters for you here. Uh, we got some fan questions too. Sure as well. Yeah, cool, right? Yeah. Uh, Heisenberg, how'd you come up with that name? Uh. That was uh, that was season into season one. Uh, we needed it was a it was an episode where we needed Walt to come up with a quick off the top of his head a quick um, uh, AKA. Mm-hmm. And I think we just I can't remember who the great thing about being in the writers' room is you don't remember who came up with it's what. a collective. It's such a collective group, but mind. it's one of those things where you just came around like what's a good name and just, just say somebody you just were watching out. Game Day Morning on a Sunday and you saw Eisen and you yes. thought of Eisen. Yes. That's yes. all he wants to hear. Sure. It should have been Eisenberg. No, I don't know. <laughs> and we were thinking of Werner Heisenberg, the guy who who ran Hitler's bomb program and also came up with the the Heisenberg. Uh, uh, principle, I guess, the idea, and I'm butchering this because I know even less about quantum physics than I do about football. <laughs> but I think the idea being that just by observing uh, a subatomic particle, you change its 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 path just by the act of observation. But the idea of uncertainty was intriguing. The idea of Hitler's bomb program and all that. So Heisenberg seemed right. Which yeah. which plot surprise most are you most proud of? Are you most you know, it's a little one relative to heads on severed heads on tortoises. And, exactly, and that's exactly and, what I was thinking about. It was, well, oh. it was. It's. Well, I was going to say it's. Uh, my 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 answer is th- th- those are the big fun moments. I love the severed head and the tortoise. And actually, we had the most fun coming up with that. And we had the guy get his half his face blown off. I've got to tell you the severed head and the tortoise yeah. moment because my my wife. I'm trying to get her into this thing. She she right. was. I'm sure you've heard this too. Too disturbed. A lot of people, and I to don't, start down this road, and, and I don't she knew she was too that. disturbed yeah. to start down this road. And yeah. I'm like, but I keep telling, like, because we're big fans of The Wire, and yeah. this is that to me, show. to me, The Wire and this show are are comparable. Wow. They're 100. percent I mean, The Wire and this show. It, wow. And and I've said this before, big because you had commercial television constraints that The Wire did not have whatsoever. You know, I mean, yeah. there were. I mean, there, you couldn't. Although I have seen some some episodes off of AMC where, you know, nudity and things of that nature. Did you really – that's a perfect exit question for you then. Maybe I'm wrong. Did you feel at any point in time we can't do that because it's you it's know, on 
basic cable. Well, we the, the, we're basic cable. Every now and then, when you watch when you watch our our, our Blu-ray or DVD sets, mm-hmm. you you can see certain episodes where we have the F bomb or where we see a pair of breasts or yeah. whatever. We we did them few and far between because what they require is shooting the scene twice because you have to do the the PG thirteen version and yep. then the R version. The sad truth of it is, not to get all whatever, but I mean we can do anything on ad supported television either on network or or ad supported cable uh violence wise that that hbo or, or showtime because it's a you know show a pair of boobies you know and 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 all sorts of alarm bells go off and you know the <laughs> guys repel repel fast rope in from the ceiling to stop you you know show a pair of breasts you know but uh but any kind of heads getting blown off or, or guts strewing out behind someone or what all the all the the nastiest violence you can think of uh and this is not i'm I'm not talking amc here i'm talking period i'm talking every network out there Uh, violence is okay go for it boobies are not sex is incredible but uh, that 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 severed head on a tortoise moment danny trejo right okay yeah Yeah, another great actor that you had i still have his head you do. I have it in a cooler. <laughs> no you kidding. Know, yeah, I have it. What dead. a keepsake. Yeah. <laughs> you should put it on a golf cart. <laughs> what <Yeah>. a keepsake. <laughs> put it on a golf cart. We, so, we loaned it to a low-budget horror movie that he was. He got his head cut off in, and we uh, we loaned it to him so they could, because it costs a lot of money making a head like that. What a bonus for that uh, yeah. for that, for that production. <laughs> we just happen to have exactly what you need, a severed head. So, uh, but, but that moment is when... Um, my wife, when she comes in the room, yeah, yeah. and I said to her, I'm like, this show, you need to see this scene. Even though I knew, right. she's like, I'm not watching it because right. I'm disturbed, right. and this would actually feed into <laughs> that <laughs> problem. I said, this show, and and law, well, get ready, this show is so fucked up. <laughs> this show is off the chart. I haven't seen anything like this. That clearly you are sitting in a writer's room saying, th- th- we're, "Let's do that." I'm like, "Whoa!" That was the that was the first moment I've had. Good, good for your show because that was, that was season one, right? Was that it season one or season, season two? two. That was season early, two, fairly early. Season That's when season you two. you were beginning to start to you yeah. were hitting a stride of just twisting. Yeah, you were yeah. really starting to twist things away. So so which one was that? The one the, the I love that one. That was the one of the most fun to come up with in the room because as soon as we came up with it, we all said, "Hey, let's go to lunch." It was like ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did our work for the day. But right. actually, the moment in a weird way is going to sound very anticlimactic. Climatic. Mm. So I never know how to pronounce it. It's going to sound very undramatic. But uh, one of the most important moments in the history of our writer's room was in episode four of the first season where we decided we had an episode where Walt meets this, this rich couple and he used to go to school with them years ago. Mm-hmm. He went to grad school with them and they seem, they're very sad to hear he's got cancer and they offer to pay for his treatment, the best doctors, the best medical help available. And they offer him a job, a wonderful high paying job, no strings attached. This comes, it's a blessing it comes at a moment where he's at his lowest point. I've got cancer. I'm dying. I don't have enough money to leave my family. I've cooked crystal meth, and I did one batch of that, and it ended terribly. It ended with two dead guys, you know. And and they offer him in in purposeful Deus Ex Machina fashion. They 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 do what you're not supposed to do as a writer. They make life too easy for the protagonist. And at the end of that episode, he says, "No, thank you. I prefer not to take you up on any of that." And he goes back to his knucklehead friend who, he's not a friend, he's a knucklehead ex-partner, and he says, let's cook another batch of meth. Oddly enough, 
we've had much more visually dramatic moments than mm-hmm. that. But that was the most important moment character-wise. I came to realize only months later because if we hadn't had if we didn't realize ourselves as writers, if we didn't allow the the the, uh, the 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 viewers to understand that this guy is a liar, and when he says he does it for his family, he's not really because the thing if you really love your family, that's you're gonna, it. <laughs> you're going to take someone up on their kind offer of charity. You're not going to get all weirdly prideful yeah, about it. Yeah, pride got him. You're not. you know Yeah, pride and uh, and he. You know, and it's just like that to me was the most important character moment because if we hadn't had that, every week would have been oh. I just made another $100,000, but I stored it up in the rafters and rats ate it. You know, oh, I got to make another hundred grand. Oh, wait, mobsters took it from me. It would have been very mechanical storytelling. It would have been very schematic. And it's set up, obviously, later on in the finale. You, the last couple episodes, you brought um, the that the people back with yes, whom you started. Yes, uh, Gretchen and Elliot you, Schwartz. Right, you yeah. brought the and so, – yeah. so, um, couple other things then which then which device which time not just plot okay, twist sure. which device sort of like the the turtle the head, the head of the turtle, turtle uh, or yeah. or the the ricin the ricin or um the bell we've got the we've, bell the i mean bell. the bell is another i mean yeah, yeah. is there is, is there another one of those because walt kind of turned into macgyver there yeah i mean he you, did he uh, uh we uh thermite that was a good one making thermite i don't even know if i can say this on but uh well uh the well i mean uh i wouldn't want the the, the good folks at ohio art getting mad at me the the uh the uh, etch-a-sketch, the etch-a-sketch. Uh, yeah. it's filled with uh uh powdered aluminum mm-hmm. uh that's what makes it work the guts of it and right. uh thermite uh you know, I shouldn't even. And it, but it's one of the ingredients in thermite, which is this stuff that burns amazingly. It, it you'd have to really know what you're doing to to take an etch a sketch apart and make did it. Did you a, did you have a chemist on staff yeah, to, for this sort of stuff? Or I mean, we, how we, did you not know on about staff, this? I, you know, I just I I file away weird things that I read, and I I have a very I don't understand much more about chemistry than I do about football or quantum mechanics, but. The thing about being a writer with a job like this is you learn to lie uh, convincingly. That's all you're doing all day long. You're lying convincingly, much like Walter White. Yes. But but having said that, a lot of that science stuff, like I knew that thermite had uh, aluminum powder in it as one of the uh, ingredients. And so, Mm -hmm. but I'm no chemist. And what what happened, what we're very fortunate to have uh, about season two uh, is a, a woman named Dr. Donna Nelson, who's a chemist and a chemistry professor at the University of Oklahoma reached out to us and said, if you guys need some help with your, your chemistry, I'd be happy to help. And we're like, oh, thank you. Because I was getting a lot of it wrong. I was mm-hmm. getting most of it wrong. So you have ideas like that, and then you vet them with your, uh, with your, with your experts and advisors. We had a, 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 a chemist, a DEA chemist out of Dallas, who was a wonderful guy, very helpful uh, cooked up a batch of meth for us. Did he really? <laughs> wow. They it, it sounds crazy, but it's they have to cook meth all the time in the DEA because they have to have control batches to compare against the evidence that's coming in, and they have to know if it's a P2P cook or if it's a pseudo cook or blah blah blah. Hmm. So it's something they do, and he didn't do it in our presence. He it was in his lab. Was and, it blue? Was it? No, it was not blue. It was not. It was not blue. But <laughs> okay. he videoed. He we weren't there, but he videotaped right. and, and let us watch the videotape. But it was uh, now the blue thing. We we kind of fudged that. I asked Doctor Don. I said, "What could this stuff ever be blue?" And she said, "Not unless it was adulterated, which means less pure." 
So, she, but she was real cool about it. She said, hey, you know, if it works for you story-wise, just go for it. Oh, it worked. We, Good. I'm I mean, it. my gosh, the blue. That's we what everybody talked about with it. We haven't even mentioned Dean Norris yet. Oh, right. Dean Norris. And, oh, yeah. And just my, I think with the one He's episode. He's another great guy to have. Yeah. yeah. The other episode that I think it was the end of season two or maybe three, one minute, yeah, where yeah. that scene where the two twin brothers come yeah. and the grocery store shootout and the yeah. axe, because you were talking about props and that, yeah. that axe handle, I thought. Yeah. That, I was, I was going to say, that's my favorite scene, I think. That's a the, great scene. How difficult is that to shoot, eh? And Super difficult. First of all, you had really good actors, starting with Dean. But uh, uh, the cutest, blondest, sweetest, I mean, I mean the, the cutest, Woman mm-hmm. directed that whole. I, I, this I, I, I'm at the risk of sounding sexist here. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying, you figure a scene like that. A woman named Michelle McLaren, who's just an adorable, wonderful, sweet person, directed some of her most hardcore, horrific sequences. <laughs> she just got back from Europe doing t- uh, her third and fourth episode of Game of Thrones. She directs. Oh, she directs wow. action like nobody I've ever seen. She directs the most kick-ass. So she's, she's a the, great director. Period. She's the mother of dragon directors. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, That's what she sounds, is. what she sounds like. She's and the she, Khaleesi of yeah. directors. Well and she, and well she is so sweet and cute and and uh, and and a mean streak. But she does. But in that sequence, when uh, when the second cousin, when uh, when uh, she, it took about two days to or three days or something. It was a very hard scene to yeah. direct, and she directed the crap out of it. And and the scene. When he manages to get the bullet in, yeah. the, in the chamber and shoots the guy just about as his guy's about right. to cut him in half with the axe, uh, there's that scene where she has it where the the brains go blowing right into her into her yeah. into her face. Oh. Who and, has that axe? And she, I have one of them. She she bought a couple of them and she had uh, she signed it and she had the cousins uh, sign it and oh, Dean awesome. signed it. So I have it. I have one of those axes. Uh, but she in the in the editing room. She's like, I wanted more brains. Oh. Can we can we digitally add in more brains? I was like, for God's sake, Michelle. That was one of the moments too for me where I was just like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this show at any given time, and, and I'm all in. Like it is just incredible. Well, you're talking about favorite scenes. My favorite episode of of the entire. Um, of the entire series, if I had to name one, obviously I think I think it would have to either it would either have. Let's put it this way: clearly, your it wasn't the penultimate episode, the third to last episode Good of the call. final season. Good call. What, yeah. what what's the name? I forget the name it's of it. Ozymandias. Yes. Yes. What 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 is the meaning of that? Ozymandias. Of that uh, there's a a wonderful poem by I want to say Keats. I'm pretty sure it's Keats. Uh, no, no, it's Shelley. Is it Shelley? No, it's Shelley. I always say Keats. I think it's Shelley. Uh, anyway, it's this great poem where uh, a guy's traveling. Very short poem. Guy's traveling. I think it's a Shelley poem. Drives- it is. Okay, cool. He's he's traveling through the desert, and he finds this uh, statue, this what formerly enormous statue, Egyptian-type thing. And, and now it's just a broken pile of rubble in the desert, but there's an inscription at the base of it, you know, I am Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. That kind of a thing. I'm, I'm not quoting the poem, but that's essentially the feeling how the once mighty guy who ruled the entire world is now just, just a bunch of rubble in the sand. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's all the kingdom, the empire is over. It all came down it to all, it. It all came down. And no one even remembers it anymore. It's just, uh, you know. Uh, and that episode, I, 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 they're all my babies, so I can't really pick a favorite. But unofficially, I'll tell you, good call, because that was a great. Ozymandias is a 
fabulous episode. It was our third to final episode. Uh, it was written by a woman named Mo- Moira Wally Beckett, who also adorable and yet writes some real badass hardcore yeah, stuff it. and directed by a guy named Ryan Johnson who did the movie, wrote and directed the movie Looper that came out. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was great. Great director, great writer, great director, great guy, uh, and just directed the shit out of it. Yeah. Just, just, and it's just, and the actors just just knocked it out of the park. And it was, uh, it's a, it's, it's just it a felt, breathless episode. It felt, it felt, it really did feel like it lasted three minutes. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. really did. It, yeah. it, it came and went in yeah. about three minutes yeah. time. It's just, it's just on rails. Like, it's like a rocket sled of an episode. And great. Uh, uh, the metric that I use to judge which are my favorite episodes yeah. is how long I sat in silence after snapping <laughs> the television <laughs> off. <laughs> That's the metric Excellent. that I use. Excellent. Um, and the one that, that comes closest to that episode is the train episode yeah that's a great one the train episode yeah. where they rob the train yeah. of whatever uh, whatever methylamine right and and how they pull it off and yeah. then the moment at the end where the young boy oh, gets shot yeah. that's a rough oh my yeah. lord another thing that jesse had another yes moment that that affects jesse Terrible more moment. than anyone else you're right and yeah. and and just adds to the and, and the, Jesse Plemons just, is just Jesse Stone yeah, Cold. Is great. Yeah, straight, yeah, you know, Landry from uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, right, exactly. Excellent where it was just like, whoa, okay. So it's he's great. got that streak <laughs> in him, which you then yeah. expanded upon from that point on towards the end of the series. That train episode train is, great. was spectacular, great beginning to end, Vince. It's called uh, Dead Freight, written and directed by a guy named George Masters. He had never directed anything ever ever that was his first he one out of the directed box traffic he had never directed how does that go anything? down where you're never like sure come direct, come direct my multi-emmy award-winning I, show by the way he, i love that he never even had directed traffic <laughs> and you don't mean tried. the soderbergh no traffic. i don't mean the soderbergh you mean like actually I like mean, stop car this car goes fantastic and he did a great job he was uh, one of the writers uh, uh since uh our first season great writer wrote uh wrote some wonderful episodes that you've you've uh, you know and love along the way and in that season, uh, a lot of my writers came to me and said, "Before it's over, I'd really love to direct." And I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I, it scared me. I didn't. Not just him, but all the direct, uh, all the writers who had not previously directed, who who directed in that in that run of seasons. I was like, "Man, I need you guys in the writers' room," and you know, you guys, most of you haven't done it before, but. I gave in because I didn't know how to say no because someone gave me my first shot. Uh, in fact, Chris Carter, my, my boss, the guy who created the X-Files, mm-hmm. who, God bless him, for that great job and that great opportunity. Uh, and I couldn't I couldn't rightly say no to these guys. So Cranston uh, directed, too, right, some of the episodes? Uh, Brian Cranston directed three episodes. They were all excellent. And they always got better, too. He doesn't too. do anything wrong. I mean, his he doesn't first, do anything bad. Brian Cranston doesn't do anything bad. Except He's, break. Except break. The, yeah, well done. Yeah, That's the only thing he does. He breaks bad well, too. Boy, though. he breaks bad fantastically. Yeah. One of the things yeah. the shows did was it had camera angles always that I thought were fascinating, whether it was dumping the meth in right. or the trunk when the door would slam. There was one that Or when I Jesse knew. was burning the house down yeah. or attempting exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. I like the time lapses, too. Good. I had no idea. When you guys did the skate scene at the house, was that? 
that a GoPro underneath the skateboard, or was it all mocked? Because you had the kids in the in the pool. No, it was uh, it was most likely a GoPro. I mean, the technology now and the time lapses we did with uh, uh, off the shelf, and you know, uh, uh, like a like a Canon 5D Mark II or right. uh, or a Nikon yeah. D700. You could buy it Best Buy. You know, it just the technology now. We shot the show on 35 millimeter film, and I'm proud of that because I and I think we're. At a place in the business where we're about to give up uh, film a little too happily Entirely. and too readily, which I think would be a mistake. But you got guys like I, I met. I had the honor of meeting George Lucas uh, this year. Oh, it's been Lord. a hell of a year. That was one of the reasons. <laughs> but I, Daisy. it was it was with Steve. It was with Steve Bosco. We're at this party, and uh, and and he gets introduced to us by his uh, lovely wife, uh, and and he says, "Oh, hey, nice to meet you." And Steve, he's walking away. Uh, and Steve Steve Mosco says, "Hey George, this kid here, he shoots uh, his show Breaking Bad on film." And George Lucas turned on his heel and yeah. came back and said, now, "Why are you doing that? That why would anyone in their right mind shoot film?" George film. Lucas says this to you. <laughs> and wow. he's like, and it's like suddenly it went from, "Hey, he was very pleasant. Hey, nice to meet you." Mm-hmm. But it goes from that to like proselytizing like film is just uh, i just i don't i don't see it i don't understand it. this is george would, lucas would you would you ride to work in a, in a horse and buggy you know would you would you would you write your writer would you write with a quill pen you know how like, do you respond to that i just it was cool it was cool <laughs> i was just like yes sir yes sir you know i don't necessarily agree with everything you're saying mm-hmm. although i will go on record now saying technologically he's you know he's forgotten more about all this stuff than i'll ever know all I know is film still looks good to me, and sometimes with the video, when you go outdoors, it, it doesn't have, and I'm no expert with this stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have the, the, the contrast ratio that film does. You know, you, you know you, sometimes you, you're shooting in, in darkness, and then the, sun, the, the sky goes completely white with video. You know, I'm no expert in this stuff. Film, to me, still looks good. Well, you're talking to people who, who work in the NFL network, NFL media. NFL yeah. Films yeah, is just – so we're some biased, of the best, we're by biased the way, when it comes to films. And I, I don't blame you a bit. And by the way, the one thing – the little I do know about football mm-hmm. and, 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 and NFL Films is the greatest camera operators in the history of the medium. Just being able to follow that football as it's spiraling through the air with that with that ultra-long telephoto lens. I mean, I don't know how. And what we do on Thursday night football, we have our games on Thursday night. When I saw you flying to one of them, uh, I get to be on the sidelines of these games and watching these guys work. Yeah. They're running. Yeah. They've got these equipment. Yeah. And sure, it's much easier if we shot if it, but it wouldn't be the same uh, if yeah. it wasn't film. I know. You it, know, and just yeah. watching them change the packs yeah. in the middle and yeah. it used to take at least you know, two, three, sometimes two days for it to be aired yeah. because they have to go and and back in the early days Steve Sable would tell me that they would you know, hire a plane to essentially fly oh, yeah. the film back to get it so they could oh, yeah. develop it and get it on T V in time. Now they're using on on Thursday night football. We have some break. We're throwing a break with some NFL films from the first half. Yeah. Ah. So they're developing it on site. They could do it that that's fast. What the, that's what they're doing they're right fantastic. now. We're throwing a break at like the second quarter. Sometimes I'm like, how in the world are we doing that? Fantastic. You know, I and, and, and I, I sit there thinking, I just hope folks at home oh. who are watching the game instead of worrying about their fantasy team for two seconds would look at that. Just throwing a oh. commercial break. Oh, going, yeah. That's film. That's, that's oh, yeah. film. That's not yeah, just yeah. you know right. showing what's going on. That's film right yeah, there. It must be reversal film. It's a, it's, it. Might, I, I don't know a, the. I don't it's, know it's, the. That's fantastic reason and, for that. Well, it and it and they do just 
magnificent. Just like uh, National Geographic photographers, are yeah. like the best still photographers. That's in the world. true. NFL films uh, operators are the best camera operators I've ever seen. I'm, I'm sure they'll love to hear that. So yeah. let's finish up strong here. Um, in the time that as I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, please I, I let could, us know could, because could, we're just going to. We might throw you in a, spi- a podcast <laughs> spider hole like like Jesse and keep here. The, the final season. Um, you had when did you start planning for that? Was it the moment that you knew that you only had one season left, or because you the pressure I can only imagine to finish it right and right. finish it in the manner that you would be proud of okay. that it would be a, a worthy of the f- seasons that had preceded it. Right. W- what was that process? like for you it was tricky because none of us knew when i say none of us i mean me i mean sony i mean amc none of us knew exactly how long this show should go i didn't know creatively how long it should go sony and amc were at a crossroads where you know uh they had a bit of a difference of opinion about how long the show should go amc uh was thinking not as many episodes sony was thinking more episodes and they had a and it was very um, amenable disagreement. They're they're very amiable, amiable disagreement. I guess is the word. Uh, they, they always got along very well uh, and continue to Sony and AMC. But every company has its own uh, business needs, and uh, at that moment in time, it was a bit of a crossroads, like I say. But I was thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to run this thing into the ground. I this show is. I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be the this is going to go on my tombstone. This thing, I, I'd be very lucky if I have something after Breaking Bad is over that's that's half as good. Well, Better Call Saul. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not, yeah, that. Better Call Saul is the same universe and uh, sure. different story. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be its own thing. I have the highest of hopes for that. It's going to be wonderful. But I understand but, what you're but saying. But Breaking Bad is lightning in a bottle, uh, and 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 I didn't want it to end for personal reasons. But the thing that scared me more was people saying. God, that show used to be good. Is that thing still in the air? Oh, yeah. I couldn't have lived with that. And so I said, I got my writers to, I mean, we were together anyway, but I said to my writers, let's take an hour this morning and let's talk about how much story do we think we have left. Let's try to put a number to it, uh, a number of episodes to it. And through, uh, you know, discussing it with Sony and AMC and, and the writers, we came to this number of 16 episodes. Uh, and and so for those final sixteen, which we call season five, and then the final season, it got a yeah. Com- we were not happy as viewers that it split up over. I know. Uh, calendar and, by the, year. and by the way, that was not. People thought, oh, that was either that was AMC or somebody doing that to really milk viewership or something. That was all. That was them doing me a solid because it would make more sense on every level to shoot the final sixteen at one dead run. Uh, without without stopping in the middle. But sixteen is sulfur. What does that mean in, for the show and the periodic table of elements? And what, what is the genius sulfur. behind that? Sulfur well is done, brimstone. Well brimstone. Done. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, so but uh, they they were very uh, and the crew was great because the crew had to lay off for a number of months and and we got pretty much all of them back. Everyone was very understanding. We weren't trying to jerk anybody around, least of all our fans, but we, we needed enough time to figure it out mm-hmm. the way it needed figuring out. And if we had had to break all 16 of them at a run, I don't think we would have been able to dot all our I's and cross all our T's as we did. So we needed that extra time. So that was purely for, for me and the writers. 
But uh, on that final 16, we were just like, there were, we had some dark days. We're like, oh, man, we're heading down the wrong path for a, for a proper, satisfying ending. What do we, maybe we took a wrong turn. I can't tell you. At Albuquerque. Yeah, it's like a right, yeah, <laughs> like Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny line, Bunny, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, if you had told me when I was growing up in uh, in Farmville, Virginia, watching Bugs Bunny and hearing him, he pops up by the ground, right. wrong turn of Albuquerque, <laughs> that I'd be working there someday and, and own property there. I yeah, you should have broke bad at Pismo Beach, Pismo too. Beach. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Pismo Beach, good. that's right, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, it was uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm so relieved that, that people like it because there were some dark days where it was like, oh, man, people – People are going to hate this thing. We're, we're going to screw oh, up. Oh, gosh, no. We're gonna, we're but gonna... you nailed it. I mean, just have have have, have the the realization of the moment uh, on the toilet of all places <laughs> uh, of, of Hank putting two and yeah. two together of who W.W. was and Walter White and yeah. having that sort of uh, epiphany on the potty, you know, <laughs> yes. which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought the first episode, I was, I was nervous, okay, in a way, for two reasons. One, just being on the edge of my seat watching it. Right. I wanted this to be so good, yeah. you know? I, I wanted it because I've been so disappointed by television shows and certainly ones that had lasted so long to the point where, you know, writers did not know where to go, Yeah, where they figured yeah. they got, where, where they didn't know how to go and how to finish it up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was nervous, Me but too. the way you handled that first episode, because Hank, Hank's reaction should have been what it was, dazed to the point where he could yeah. not function, yeah. and his mind is churning, yeah. going through all this stuff, and yeah. holy shit, was shot, yeah. and it was because of him, yeah, and he's yeah. putting, it's more yeah. than just two, and there's dozens of twos and twos to put together, exactly. okay, exactly and he's right. doing all of that, yeah. I'm, I'm now becoming the fanboy here, this no, is not a question, great, by the way, it. it's not it. a fanboy here, he's going to walk out of these doors, that means not like, a question, there's, 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 no, there's no question coming here, just the way that you did that, and then moved it forward, and then spun it, and kept on, it just got so intense, yeah. how you hand, how Good. you did all that, was great and we and 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 once again you you had the moments uh, uh right at the beginning where you flash forward and you're wondering how you're going to get to that point yeah. you had that too yeah. where where uh, i guess where walter was returning to his house right yes yes yeah, and you yeah. saw that he was yeah. going to get the rice in yeah. we're all wondering who's the rice in for right. uh where the skateboarders are in his yeah. Are in his pool, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know he says hello to his neighbor, who's oh, stunned and drops the groceries. <laughs> so you know that he's going to get to that point. We're yeah. still all trying to figure out how he's going to get to the point where he's splitting up the bacon on his birthday right, in that right, restaurant. Right, yeah. Incredible, man. Oh, I mean, and, you, man. and 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 I just how long? Like, here's the question: that how long? I mean. Does that is that weeks in the making? We, is that months? Years, a year or more for those final sixteen. And and as much as it annoyed viewers that they had to wait between the first eight and the final eight, that was the reason we needed enough time. And 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 God bless uh, AMC and Sony for giving it to us because most shows do not give you that kind of time. It's just not it's not anyone being Grinch Grinch like about it. It's just there's not enough time in in a TV show, especially on a network show. Because you have so many episodes and so little time, right? <laughs> and uh, you're just so it's so hard to uh, to have that amount of lead time. And and this was extraordinary. I've never worked on a show where we had literally uh, 25 or 30 weeks of of lead time before from the day the writers' room opened till we had to start shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that's that's my that's my ultimate answer as to how we were able to make it tie together as well as we did because we we were blessed with that amount of time 
uh, uninterrupted, unadulterated time where you're not getting calls from the set, where it's just the seven writers sitting around saying, you know, how do we make this as bulletproof and perfect and and enjoyable and dramatic as and possible? And tie up the ends. Tie up tie all up the loose the... ends. Because I, I hate loose ends just as much as you do. And, you know, I've had experiences where there just wasn't, not on Breaking Bad, luckily, but where there just wasn't enough time to figure it all out. And so things get dropped. Things go by the wayside. But this was... This was an extraordinary circumstance to have this much time, and we, I did not want to waste it. So we, we did not fart around like, uh, like, uh, like we could have. We we worked we worked our butts off, uh, even though we had a, like a half a year, uh, you know, eight month lead lead time. We just we worked our butts off, and 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 it got kind of dramatic in the room. In the sense that my writers were often not just writers, but they, they had to be psychotherapists for you know for me, psycho psychotherapists, uh, you know, analyzing me like, uh, or just talking me off the ledge. It's going to be okay. We haven't screwed it up, you know. It's going to be good, you know. Did so. you know how it was going to end? Because you hear show owners of other big shows, and they're, oh, I had a vision from the first episode to the final one how it was going to end. Like, when did you know this was? How you wanted it to, to conclude? Surprisingly late in the game, uh, you know that that M60 machine gun, for instance, we didn't know uh, that was the first episode of the final 16, where where Walt buys the M60 at uh, at Denny's, and we did not know what it was going to be used for. for. Yeah, we we knew it would be dramatic. You know, you don't buy, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you don't buy those lightly. You know, no, you got to have a reason. That's not just any gun. This is big belt fed. Machine gun. Yeah, you don't uh, tread lightly with that. Yeah, you and it was the same yeah. guy he bought the handgun from way yeah. back earlier. Right? Excellent actor, by the way, a guy named Jim Jim Beaver. Uh, who uh, he's in. He, I know he's a Deadwood guy. Deadwood, yeah. And he's also a Justified guy. Yes, he as is as well. Yes, which is, is that's the whole Timothy Oliphant yeah. uh, DNA strain yeah. through all. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I have way too much information climbing around up here. I know that's great. Here, he's, you know. a, he's, a sweet he's excellent. Guy. He's excellent. Excellent, excellent actor. actor. Sweet, sweet man. We we wanted to get him in the show more. There's a lot of actors we wanted to get in the show more. It's just sometimes you're like, we don't really have room for it here. But, uh, yeah, great guy. So uh, let's get to some of the – let's finish up sure. with our, our yeah, listeners. Can... And, and, and the, the first one that I want you to, to read, Law, as well, because I saw the hash for the hashtag Ask Vince that we had. Yeah. There is one loose end that you did not tie oh, up. Okay. okay. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. It's Huel. Yeah, it's Huel. It's yeah, Huel, yeah. right? You want to ask the – you got that one yeah, there, let me, the Chris let me, Law? Let me I don't mean to find throw that, that to you. We'll ask the question. We'll give the shout out later. Okay. But well, yeah, yeah we'll, it's, somebody is, is wanted to know, like, is Huel still sitting in that room? I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that question. Just folks in the street. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Huel is uh, no. I think I think Huel can be anywhere you want him. Huel is a state of mind, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think he Huel is can a be state anywhere of you, mind. He can be anywhere you want him to be. But I think what probably happened was uh, there was a there was a. Uh, a DEA agent we established as guarding him. Mm -hmm. And when, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 hours later, he had not heard from, uh, from, from Hank or, or, uh, or Steve Gomez, the, the DEA agent, or if he uh, got a call from the DEA saying, you know, have you heard from agent Schrader, you know, Asac right. Schrader, word would get around pretty quickly. You know, uh, uh, Hank is missing. Steve Gomez is missing. This guy, would say to his superiors, you know, I'm 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 here with a guy that they got me sitting on at the safe house. 
I bet you he wouldn't. In in if if this were a real life situation yes. and, and it was that kind of a situation, he probably he wouldn't have been there for any more than like twelve hours. So so Hewell is not there is no. in your estimation Huell, right now. Huell did not there are some people who believe that Hewell is still there. <laughs> Huell was still sitting. Huell was out of starved to death in the safe. House. That was TD uh, at Tom Doyle twenty three that asked that okay. question. Okay, so what else you got for for Vince? And then we All can right, yeah, we'll get through a couple of these. Let him go. Fire. Um, this is from. This he'll, is be, fun. He'll, he'll be free to go at that point. Eric Ferrand at HM Squad. Five asks, big fan, and Cranston was amazing. And we talked about this earlier. Was there anyone else that you uh, seriously considered for the role of Walter White, or was it always Cranston? I really only was thinking of uh, was, was Brian. Um, I'm trying to think. We 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 read some uh, some really good actors, uh, which I probably shouldn't mention their names. Uh, uh, a lot of them, folks, you you might recognize their faces, but uh, but not their names. But uh, Regardless, really, a lot of, we saw some good actors because you can't. You, you, it's very seldom that you can that you can cast a role like this without seeing somebody, aside from the person that you have uh, your hopes and dreams set on. But really, I was only ever thinking of Brian. Brian I mean, uh, there, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine, especially now. I can't. I can't conceive of an actor. I can't even. I don't have the imagination to conceive of someone doing it. Uh, doing it as good. I've uh, told no, this story on the sorry. podcast before. And I'll tell it again to you real quick here. Um, a friend of mine um, had a show called Celebrity Liar. Okay. Okay. They shot it um, in a place called The Room. It's no longer there right now in, in Hollywood, okay. where people would just shoot shows and they'd beam it out via internet from, from The Room in, in Hollywood. And the show is essentially where two celebrities would come on and but before going on, they would tell a story in the back to one of the producers and that happened to, to, to them. Right. And the other celebrity would listen to it and then tell their lying version, making it seem like it happened to them. Oh. And then the person at home watching it would have to cast a vote which celebrity is telling the truth and which one is not That's telling a good the show. truth. I'd watch it's a that. great show. Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. So I did it a, a couple of times. Um, and, um, you know, I called up. I was just chatting with a buddy of mine who is a mutual friend of the producer of the show. And I'm like, who's on Celebrity Liar this week? And he said, Brian Cranston. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> this was right around season three of oh, his okay. show. Okay, right, right. And this I, before or after he was on ours? It was before. Before. Okay. It was before. Because then he came on our show after Yeah, then he came on. Yeah, he's been on this podcast yeah, before. Yeah, awesome. Um, and uh, where I talked his ear off, too. <laughs> um, I'm sure he loved it. And so he couldn't have been nicer. So at any rate, so I call my buddy up of the producer, and I'm like, I hear you have Brian Cranston on your show. I don't care who the other celebrity you have that you have booked. That person is now unbooked, and I am now booked. Because if I don't get a chance to play celebrity liar up against the greatest liar in the history of of television. Yes, yes. The greatest lie. Yes. The man who's playing, let's put it this yeah, way, yeah, yeah. the man who plays the greatest lie. I mean, we have to, I have to do it, and yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. on, it's on, you could YouTube yeah, it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you I'm could YouTube go it. Watch that. He is, as you might imagine, spectacular. He won, barely, yeah. barely, because yeah. the lightning round is you, you tell the producer things that happened to you okay. in like lightning, really quick rounds, and the other celebrity has to say true or false. So like I said, I hit a uh, you know I've hit I've hit a home run in Fenway Park, and you know 
he he did say that was true, which is great. Oh, good. Because I guess he just figured I'm a sports guy that I can actually hit a home run in Fenway Park. I could, you know, probably not get it to uh, the Green Monster. But I did say that I I've, that I have uh, that I that I have. I think I said I I, I have once cooked meth in uh, in Albuquerque or nice. something like that. And he goes, "That's false," you know. So I was having a little bit too much fun with it. But that was just incredible experience, just being on the business end. Of knowing, just watching what he he was at his craft, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. But also, I had a little competitive streak. Like I can try if I can lie. I just knew if I can lie as well as Brian Cranston, then I've then I've broken bad. Then I have some problems. Then I've got some problems. <laughs> then I've got some serious right, problems. A couple, couple more quick quick <laughs> hitters here. Uh, R J Achoa at R J Achoa asks. Oh, our friend. Yeah, exactly. He, okay. He asks one: How perfect is the Badfinger song? And two. What did all of uh, Marie's stealing and lying mean uh, that happened in, in the third and fourth season? The Bad Finger is the song that you finished the, uh, yes, the seasons with, which, yeah. by the way, was in my head for an entire week after that. It's a great song, and I grew up loving that song, uh, thinking Bad Finger was, was kind of underrated for years because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even on the 70s uh, uh, channels, out, uh, stations out here, even on, like, uh, K-Earth and whatnot, you don't hear a lot of Bad Finger anymore. You never really did, I feel like, and... I was driving to to the writers' room one day, uh, probably a year before we finished it all up, and and uh, Baby Blue comes on the satellite radio. By the way, all the great music in, in Breaking Bad is is due to two guys: Thomas Goljevich, our music supervisor, and Dave Porter, our composer. So, ninety nine times out of a hundred, uh, if you hear a cool song, if you hear the great music composed for the show, that's Dave, and if you hear a good song, that was Thomas coming up with it. But this was one of the rare instances where I, I happen to be riding to work and I hear bad I hear Baby Blue by Badfinger and I think, God, that is perfect for the lyrics. Yeah, the lyric. Well, the it lyrics because you know people say it's because of 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 the blue meth. Yeah, you know, Baby, Baby Blue. Blue. Well, it, the lyrics are are spot on because he says the first line is "Guess I got what I deserved," mm-hmm. and and at that moment he's lying there dying if not dead already. And he's singing about the love of his life as Baby Blue. And, and, and the argument is, what is he talking about? Is he talking about his family? Or more likely, is he talking about his meth lab or, 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 or uh, Jesse? You know, uh, so, uh, but the thing, even more than the, than the lyrics, I think what's why it works so well, for me anyway, is that it's, it's not a sad song. It's, it's a song about a bittersweet. Clearly, there's some loss involved, judging by the lyrics. But the... And again, I'm no expert on music either, but the 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 base the baseline of that song is just it's 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 unique and it's just cool. It's just a, there's a riff uh, that is just uh, I just love it. It's a real it's a real hooky song. It, hooks, it is, and it's and it's it's oddly it's it's weirdly uh, triumphant. It's it the way the music the music does not play as downbeat or sad. It feels like a triumph, and we needed that for the ending. Well, I I certainly didn't think that Breaking Bad would finish with a British invasion song. So you <laughs> you, you, you caught me off guard there too. But I, I do love it. And what was and the other what, 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 did, uh, what did all of Marie steal? Yeah, what was that? Lying you know, uh, I don't really know what it meant in the in the bigger equation. Just why picture. not? Just why not? Make she her was, a klepto. You know, by the way, you know, not to just to be saying, you know, make this the, the Breaking Bad podcast. From it is. Out, but, but, it but, is. Don't worry. But, but Betsy, uh, Betsy Brandt is one of the funniest and sweetest ladies. She is so 
funny in real life. She is so kooky and 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 endearing and charming. Well, she's in the Michael J. Fox yeah. show right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's been no show yet, and I'm including Breaking Bad, that that allows one to see all of her many uh, talents and gifts. And uh, she, I keep telling her she should have her own talk show. She is just hilariously funny. And well, uh, a question about her came in from. I had this question. A couple people asked it too. Both Von's Cowboy at Von's Cowboy and Peacock's asked. What was up with uh, like the purple decor in the house? Because that was a noticeable thing, and oh yeah, the color of royalty, but never yeah. really. <laughs> it is. Out. It is purple's a color of royalty, and I think uh, uh, Marie has has uh, has 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 a desire toward feeling like royalty, you know, feeling very special. And uh, with our our prop uh, and set deck folks did a wonderful job. Uh, like for instance, there was a rabbit corkscrew. Uh, uh, cork puller, you know, and and they they find some special paint that it'll the plastic will it'll adhere to the plastic. They they make everything purple. It's it's a bit of a monomania it for is. sure. Monomania. She's, I've never heard that word before. I love that. She's into that one thing, and uh, and and we we went to great effort to have all of the characters have different color palettes throughout the seasons. They would change color, in fact. No uh, kidding. Their wardrobes and whatnot. Yeah, Walt no, goes... green and yellow. Yeah, Walt two. goes in the very first episode in, in Microcosm, Walt goes from beige to green. Uh, but all the, you know, uh, one year uh, Jesse went from red to black. You know, we would always have a meeting. I would have a meeting with the... With the uh, the the uh, costumer and with our production designer uh, at the beginning of each, each season, we'd work out the uh, the the changes in color palette. But but uh, Marie, up until the bitter end, she was the only character who never changed. She was always monochromatic. Purple. We have one more. Yeah, for we'll him. do one more here. Uh, this is Parker Reeves at p underscore b underscore r. That guy's got a little underscore issue going on. Yes, it does. Um, which character did you have the hardest time to saying goodbye throughout the series? Tough, tough call, tough call. Uh, I think the most tears were shed by the crew at the very last episode, watching watching Walt go. Uh, I guess. What about before the finale? Before, before that, I would say Mike. Mike. Uh, uh, you know, it was tough. Man, it was tough seeing. Bummer, uh, it was tough seeing Gus go. It was tough seeing. Uh, but you know, Mike. Uh, uh, one of the crew uh, made black armbands for everyone. Everyone on the crew the day that uh, that Mike uh, succumbed, uh, the crew were all wearing black armbands. No and, kidding. And Jonathan Banks, who is this this wonderful, lovable, crusty, crusty guy. He's got a crusty exterior, but he's like a marshmallow inside. He's the sweetest, <laughs> sweetest guy. And he was uh, he was he was had a hard time uh, keeping it together that last. How week. was Cranston on the final shoot day? How how did he handle that? He handled it uh, as he always did. A true did. pro, I'm sure a true pro, but I mean. Oh, always a pro, but you know he's not. Uh, he's not a. He's not a crier. He doesn't. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being with with being emotional and sure. tearing up. I, and uh, I was sort of waiting myself to tear up on the final day. I I was and I was sort of disappointed in myself that I didn't. But uh, he was. Uh, you know, it was uh, a lot of hugs, a lot of champagne, and uh, it was. Uh, but it just. I think uh, there was no reason in his mind to, to tear up because he figured we're all going to stay in touch and we're all going to we all have this thing that that binds us together for hopefully decades to come. So, so. is Better Call Saul a prequel? Is that it's before Breaking Bad it started? Is, it, the, the the fun thing about the way we told the story on Breaking Bad is that we jumped around and we were able to jump around in time yep. to fracture the chronology of it. So how long so, did it last? How long was in real, like two if you put it in real world time, two, two years and one day, or two years and three days, something like that, because because it starts off 
uh, it starts off, uh, actually it starts off on his 50th birthday in the first ep episode ever, and then his 52nd birthday comes on the, uh, I guess it's the last day of his life, or maybe it's the, it's either two years exactly or two years in one day. Okay. I think. So you were able to tell that that's the Breaking Bad in, in real real world time. Yes, in real world. Right, story, okay. So time. Better Call Saul but takes place. Better Call place. Saul most likely was a, is a prequel, although I love the possibility available to us based on the way we, we did the other show is that we can, we can jump all around in time. So it would be fun to see. Some sequel moments, some prequel moments. Uh, you know, I mean, if you end up throwing Brian Cranston as Walter White into an episode of Better Call Saul, I mean, it's possible. They did the, the Malcolm in the Middle place would shoot. go. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he we did. saw that online. That was yeah. where you guys did the alternate ending. Yeah, he directed that. He directed that, and my assistant, uh, my former assistant, who's now a writer at Better Call Saul, Gordon Smith, wrote that. Wrote that scene. That's, That's a great. It's a fun scene. That is fun. They did a great job. That's sort of like uh, Newhart-like sort of. Yeah, yeah. You still know. from the best. Still they, from the That's sort of a Newhart sort of ending right Absolutely. there. Did you write multiple endings because of fear of it getting leaked? Because we heard about a script being stolen out of his car, but that was a rumor. No, it was true. That was true. Okay. It was true. He was, uh, it was, uh, no, I was lived in mortal fear of, of, of it of it getting stolen or, or just le or leaking, leaking yeah. out there. But we didn't have enough energy. Uh, and believe it or not, with all the time that they very graciously gave us at AMC at Sony, we still didn't have enough time to come up with anything more but the but the one mm -hmm. right ending. So well, if we could have. This know. is, you know, the beautiful thing about this, too, also, Vince, and I'll say this in closing as well, is that uh, the kudos that, I, that you're getting here just from three guys, and you, as you have said, is going to be on your tombstone, um, it certainly isn't over in terms of the awards accolades because – the Emmys, next year's Emmys in September of next year, you're up for well, because of the episodes that just aired this year. We're 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 uh, what's uh, we're we're not up for them. You're eligible. We're eligible. We're you're eligible. eligible. Yes, we're. I eligible. know you don't want to say it. You're gonna. Yeah. You, I don't want to. You'll be. It. You'll get no. <laughs> but that's the crazy crazy thing is that the the show will have ended in August of 2013 yeah. and in September of 2014 you're going to get your tux ready trust me well, you'll be there you'll you be know, there the world moves pretty fast it's these incredible. days I don't, I don't know what no. a year from now will bring but I, I got to tell you Rich we we won for we won that Emmy for best drama this year and it was an absolute highlight moment in one's life cuz it's you know when you're working in the TV business you want you want I'm not going to lie you want that Emmy and it was a out of body experience and it was glorious but it really felt like it was the cherry on top and the real hot fudge sunday beneath was uh was was just the way folks like you guys have have reacted all around i met people i met people i got to go on a press trip to europe i met people all over in in, in the uk and france and germany and and all over people who were into this show and it's just that's the sunday yeah the emmys the, the awards are wonderful but they're they're just uh you don't order the Sunday for the cherry. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, listen, Vince, and again, I remember just watching the Emmys one year, and um, I believe uh, Brian Cranston beat out James Gandolfini for The Sopranos, if I'm not mistaken. It may have overlapped, or he beat out, maybe it could have been Ham for for Mad Men. And... John Ham, by the way. That's another great. Oh, I bet please. you he'd be great on the Oh, show. he's been here. Oh, hey, of course he has. John, John he's Ham's such been here. a good guy. I Ham's love John. Been here. I love John. But I, I remember sitting there going, well, I got to check out the show Breaking Bad, and and I did, and and it it really is truly um, 
altering. It, it has altered just the way I watch television and the way I think of television. And what our expectations are because when you, no doubt about it's it. It's going to be tough to, to kind of get that. So thank you. I can't thank you for coming you on and spending absolutely. all this time oh, here this too and, and, and letting us pick your brain and, you know, and be fanboys, well, essentially. This was just a, just very, very flattering for me. And actually it got me out of the writer's room because this is our, our sixth day in the writer's room on Better Call Saul. Fantastic. So they're working away uh, and I'm, uh, I get to be here. This is much more fun. Well, let them know well, to keep chopping wood as they say in the national football you guys have a pretty awesome box set that you basically took the barrels right yeah cash we we have the barrel we uh uh the folks at uh, sony home entertainment uh did a uh, excellent job uh creating this barrel that's an exact reproduction it's about maybe about a foot tall maybe a little less and it's an exact reproduction of the barrel that uh one of the barrels that walt kept his hard-earned cash in you see him rolling through the desert, and in it is every episode in in pristine Blu-ray, and and it. The only trouble is now I almost hesitate to 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 hawk it here because they're not they're hard to find now. And I was I was trying to find some for my family, and I got to buy them retail. And I'm like, well, where am I going <laughs> to find call them? Call Moscow. He well, can't. Steve, he'll, yeah. probably, he'll probably take one off the hood of his other golf cart. <laughs> That's probably the ornament right, on I'll another call, golf cart I'll for him. Steve. Yeah, okay, I mean, you've got cool. connections, Vince. Okay, go, up the, right. go up the chain I, of command here, I man. I just worry there's going to be enough for uh, the fans because they're they, – I think they uh, they're they're uh, sold they're, out. The inventory sold out, huh? They're close to band. Okay. They're they're getting there. So. Well, search for it. Obviously, yeah. it's certainly that yeah, time break, of year breaking, for holiday gifts too. Com, well, and what better it. way to tell your family member you love them so much <laughs> this holiday time of year <laughs> than by giving them a barrel of box sets DVDs yeah. of Breaking Bad? <laughs> that's the way. To, wow. That's the way I hey. That is the way I tell people I love them and I cherish them. Hey, Trust I, me. I've, I've given Trust this out me. to my sister for, uh, for Trust me. past Christmas. It's oh, worth it. Man. Vince, thanks, oh, bud. Oh, thanks, Rich. This was so Incredible. much fun. Oh, gosh. This is great. So awesome. Vince Gilligan here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Well, guys, it doesn't get much better than that, I don't think. Wow. Right there. Uh, I'm still blown away. Just blown away. What a genius. Right? Uh, I mean, it, what a creative genius that to to – obviously come up with the idea but execute it at such a high level for all those years and what a nice guy to boot unbelievable so so incredibly just humble and just kind of just sitting here talking with us and he couldn't reiterate enough how much he loved it we just loved sitting around talking to us we we taped that on a monday and we walked him out and when we walked him out brockman was like i still had a few questions i I didn't get to you and we're still asking him questions and the stairs down he's answering them he's like oh Yeah, yeah right like Awesome. But we could have easily gone a half hour longer. Oh, we could have. So much longer. But, I mean, he had to get back to the Better Call Saul writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, for that submitted their questions. Sorry we couldn't get to, obviously, all of them. We got to a good amount of them. I'm sure just the natural flow of the conversation yeah. covered a lot of questions. But. Incredible. What a show. What a, what a, what a genius. What a jewel of a, of a creative mind. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, and I, 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 the fact that Better Call Saul, everything you read about Better Call Saul is that he is a – uh, it's a prequel, but he said that that's not possibly the case, that he's going to hop back and forth in time in the same way that, that Breaking Bad did. So maybe Walter White does show up again. Could you imagine seeing Walt and Jesse like stroll in? In Omaha, Nebraska. Back what, again. Right? Oh, it'd be so great. Back again. I mean, that would be awesome. Uh, I hope that show's going to be just so it's fun. I can't the, wait for it. It's yeah. set the bar high, that's for sure. <laughs> as long as we have more Huel, I think the best line of that whole thing was, Huel is a state of mind. Yes. 
Okay, well, then, uh, we're, we're, I'm fresh back now from Denver. Um, week 15 is underway, if we just talk a little bit of football here. Sure. Uh, especially since um, week 15 kicked off with what people are terming the upset of the year. And you have to start culling your, you know, culling the, the first 14 weeks of the season to, to find more of a shocking win than San Diego going into Denver and beating the Broncos in the manner in which they beat them, which was outperform them in every phase, yeah. every phase of the game. They didn't make the mistakes. Denver's the one who made the mistakes. Denver's the one that uh, had the opportunity to get back in the game uh, down two scores by forcing a three and out and San Diego punting from its own end zone. They're the ones who jumped offside and allowed the Chargers to keep the ball for seven more minutes. They're the ones who, when they got the ball back with a chance to tie, they're the ones who who could not protect Peyton Manning, and he's hit as he's thrown, and, and that was the end of that with the uh, game-sealing pick because that led to a three-point uh, to the field goal by Nick Novak to give San Diego a two-possession game. San Diego was the one that did all the things right. Even though the first quarter went as as many people thought it would go in their previous games where Denver scores at will, San Diego moves the ball to try and keep it away from Peyton Manning and is successful at that, but only converts with a field goal. They don't get in the end zone. 7-3 first quarter. Then the second quarter hit. And, man, that Keenan Allen kid, he's he's awesome. Awesome. I mean, that could have been what? If you, if you somehow snagged him in fantasy, that probably turned your season around. And you look at just the the catches. You're like two catches, what? Both for touchdowns. That was it. Just two catches, points. both touchdowns. And 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 what what he did was uh, was crucial. The the first touchdown tied tied in the game. That was that that was breathtaking. The way that he leapt over one guy and then jammed his way through on another. So right. it was it was uh, it was feats of strength and also some athletic maneuvering. Feats of strength. Yes, <laughs> nice. some athletic maneuvering. It was a Festivus like uh, score. <laughs> was there a moment in the second quarter, Rich, where that game turned? Because you look, it's ten three. Denver seems to be on their way to another blowout. Well, and I then thought San it was Diego. That, it was that Keenan Allen first score yeah. in my mind, yeah. because the Keenan Allen first score was the first time that San Diego wasn't settling. They tied the game, and then San Diego's defense was able to establish its dominance on the line of scrimmage in a way that we haven't seen other teams do that. I mean, we did see the Colts. Interestingly enough, you know, the Colts, whose defense is under the auspices of Chuck Pagano, and John Pagano, his brother, is the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. of San Diego, the, the, the defense was able to get some uh, – get, get, get its, its footing on the line of scrimmage so Denver couldn't run the ball – and then San Diego did what it needed to do. At the end of the half, they got the ball with four minutes to go, and they scored a touchdown, fully knowing that they were going to get the ball to start the second half. That was a two-score lead that they got. Scoring at the end of the half, keeping Peyton Manning in the minute they had, not even to get Matt Prater out there from 64 yards, then getting the ball to start the second half and jamming it down the field with Ryan Matthews, who I believe has as many 100-yard rushing performances now this season as Adrian Peterson and LaShawn McCoy. That's unbelievable. He has emerged 
in the as the running back that they they hoped they had drafted several years ago. Yeah, didn't Philip Philip said that on your uh, late on your um, show last night? And the, that was that was a uh, that was incredible. Was saying, was can we, he, can he, we talk about that? For he a was second? amped up, man. He was incredible, unbelievable what he was. Doing. Well, I mean, we waited a while for him. Usually, you know, uh, our post game guests come out either in their still shoulder in uniform, pads, right. Uh, right? I mean, Russell Wilson still had his pads on. Cameron Wake had some very bizarre sort of. Uh, sports bra type top, you know. <laughs> Your words, Rich. Your you know, words. I mean, I don't know what it was. You know, it was half a shirt. Um, but Phil, Phil did the full shower and change with a bolo tie and the snakeskin boots. Snakeskin boots. And he did have his socks on inside out. Someone, and, someone well, made note of well, that. Well, right? Dion made note of that because yeah. he made him take his boot off. I thought he was just going to raise his leg and pop it on the table, <laughs> but he took the boot off and put it on the table after Dion wanted him to to show off to America his his choice of footwear. But we waited a while for him, and he comes out, and it was truly like he was shot out of a cannon. Now he's been on before. He's been on before, but he is just giddy now. I think he he realizes, you know, the times that we've had him on before, it was the the end of the Vincent Jackson era, the end of the A.J. Smith era, and it just struck me as not fun for him Mm -hmm. or for that locker room in general or for that organization. But they've got a new coach, and – you know, Sproles has been replaced by Woodhead, and Vincent Jackson has been replaced in a way by Keenan Allen or v- Vincent Brown. He still has Gates there, and Ladarius Green appears to be a, an up-and-comer. I think he feels really good with where he is as a quarterback and where he is with his weapons around him for years to come. I think he's finding this really fun, and he's got this sense of rejuvenation, and he was highly caffeinated when he came out. <laughs> he, he, well, he didn't shy away from his record against the Mannings either, and it was a little surprising. You know, m- most people uh, go a little more PC on that, and he kind of just said, hey, I got a pretty good career record against these guys. Uh, I mean, bottom line is he's now 9-2 and two in, in temperatures at 40 or below. And he is the uh, second quarterback in the history of of, uh, of our league to beat Eli and or Peyton in back-to-back weeks, Vince Young being the other one. And he's feeling good. His team is 7-7. Seven and seven. What, a, what a rush that must have been for him to play that game and see the defense play a full, complete game as well. All three phases, they nailed it. They nailed it. They played the perfect game that they needed to do to beat Denver in its house. 39 minutes of possession, no turnovers on offense, getting turnovers on defense, Nick Novak kicking the field goal when he needs to, converting points as touchdowns as opposed to field goals. I mean, they nailed it. They need help. They need help. Interestingly enough, San Diego fans are now going to root heavily for New England because the Patriots play the Dolphins at 7-6, and six, and then they'll root heavily for the Lions because the Lions play 7-6 and six Baltimore. And the way I see it, even if they're all 9-7, and seven, San Diego does not get the tie breaks. I haven't really seen the numbers yet, but from what I've been told, uh, they need some help. They, yeah. they, need, they need Baltimore to finish 8-8, eight and eight, or they need Miami to finish 8-8, eight and eight, or they need more teams to join a tie break at 9-7 and seven for whatever various reasons. Because, you know, when more teams come in, there are more tie breaks that 
boot other teams out before you get down to the final tiebreak. And I think that helps San Diego. It's crazy to think how close this San Diego team is to being a 9 or 10 win team when you uh-huh. think about Washington and the, even the opening night against Houston, the lead that they surrendered. They mentioned, uh, Phil Rivers mentioned the Tennessee game. Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, as well, um, that they, they, and how he, he said they could be running away with the six seed. I mean, they, they would be in the running for the division. Sure. Because they have beaten two playoff teams, because there are only two playoff teams uh, clinched in the AFC, and that's Denver and Indianapolis. They beat them both. They also beat Kansas City, which is only a matter of time for, for them to be an official playoff team. They're going to be. And, 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 and in a way, you know, the AFC West is still open. Now, Denver's final games are at Houston and at Oakland. I think they win them both. But what the issue is for Denver, I don't think they need to worry about Kansas City at their flank for the division. I think that, that that will be one. But what they need to be worried about is New England, Brockman, your Patriots, they now have the win and in so-called control one's own destiny type run here that if they can somehow beat Miami, beat Baltimore, and then beat Buffalo at home, they can pull off those three wins the one, road to New Jersey seed, goes through Foxborough. Which is unbelievable to think of, given how this year is shaken out. I still think they're a little bit on the decline, as we discussed earlier this week. I mean, that, I think they, a lot they, they might get got in Miami. I, I don't know. I, it's I, possible. That's not easy. And, it, it, you know, obviously at Baltimore, the Ravens are going to really right, need that sure. game, too. But, that's not an easy, an easy assignment. As but, that game was flexed out of by NBC, interestingly enough. Wow. Before we fully turn the page on Thursday Night Football, can you can you break a, s- a story for us here? Because when we saw Philip Rivers sock inside yes. out, yes. we also saw a the calendar Denver Bronco <laughs> uh, cheerleader calendar, calendar yes. underneath Correct. the desk that somebody was enjoying a little bit. Before. Sure, I'll tell you the story. Please. Um, every week where we go, if there are cheerleaders, there is a member of the crew who goes over and makes sure that the cheerleaders bring over their edition of their calendar to the set uh, if they haven't already done so. A member now, of the on-air crew or correct. the behind-the-scenes crew? Correct, okay, correct, just correct. Making sure. now, now, back in the day, George Lee, former um, uh, researcher for yes. Thursday Night Football, he has since moved on, uh, I believe, I believe he's... I, I believe he's still a member of the National Football. I think he's with the Raiders right now. Yeah, he's so, up yeah. in the Bay Area with the Raiders yeah. last right, year. Right, So he, uh, at the direction of this aforementioned on-air person, would be the one, he was the one to make sure that the coordinator of the whichever cheerleader crew that was uh, in the house of Thursday Night Football, that they would bring these calendars to the set. Sometimes the ladies bring them themselves. Sometimes they're autographed and personalized to us. Excellent. But there are some times when, you know, George is no longer with the network. So now this person is the one who takes it upon himself to make sure that the cheerleader coordinator is aware that at some point these calendars should be brought to the set. Would you care to take a guess which one? Which on-air person this is? Well, judging by where it was positioned, I don't. I'm. I'm. It looked like it could have been Dion, maybe, but it was under Kurt's legs. But Mooch sits in that vicinity. I'm. I'm perplexed. I'm going to say hands down, Dion Sanders. So that you say hands down, Dion is the one who does that. That's what I think. And yeah. Law, who do you say? 
Kurt, Kurt, by the way, was just a visitor. As you know, Kurt's not. Kurt's a not there. Visitor, yeah, but... on the regular. Um, I, I think I think Dion as well too. Actually, you're both very wrong. <laughs> it is Steve Mariucci. I who knew it. This. I should have gone with it. Oh. Oh, That's man. great. It is Steve Mariucci, Mr. Iron Mountain, Michigan, <laughs> is he, the one who does this. He's a red-blooded American man, Rich. And, I mean, every week it happens. So, you know, the calendars were at the desk or, you know, on, on, a, on a side table, must have fallen onto the floor, and there it was, positioned next to Philip Rivers' leg <laughs> for the entire country to see and now for the entire world to see because people are downloading this interview. Uh, uh, go yeah. seek it out if you. It's a true story. That's great. That's great. It's a true story. I got a lot of <laughs> tweets about that, but you can't explain it in 140 characters. I no, figured I would just wait not. for this podcast because I knew one of you schmohawks <laughs> were going to ask me about <laughs> it. Schmokes, <laughs> yep. That's what we do, Rich. So what a night in San Diego. Seriously. What a finale the Thursday night football. I mean, that was truly something else, man. It really was. The, the, the energy was incredible in the building. You know, Elway came to the set. Terrell Davis was there. The right. crowd was totally nuts. And um, Peyton Manning had yet to lose a division game in the AFC West. It was the first time he'd lost a division game. And um, like I said, San Diego looked really good. They had to play that game perfectly, and they, it, it, that's what they did. If they can somehow get in, I don't think I would want to play them. We talked about well, San Francisco being a really dog of a six seed. I think San Diego could do the same thing. Well, San Diego and Carolina could wind up being a six seed. Sure. I don't think, you know, the way Dallas has been playing recently that, 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 that Philadelphia could wind up a six seed. I think Philly is, is zoomed by them atop the NFC East, although there's a big Packers-Dallas game this week. So you take a look at the six seeds, they're, they're going to be difficult, certainly if San Diego is, is the six seed in the AFC. And they, they'll probably have to go to Cincinnati because I don't think Denver or New England is going to fall out of a buy position, although – New England does uh, does have an issue if Cincinnati's straight up tied with them because the Bengals beat them right yeah. in week five. So if if there's any of the teams that might fall out of a bye, it could be New England. So who knows? But the sixth seed is most likely going to have to go to Cincinnati, right? And if not, New England. We'll see. We'll see. But San Diego could beat any of them, I think. I think if so. they play yeah, like Baltimore. that. Yeah, Baltimore. If they played like last night. Yeah. Because last night, last night was incredible. And you're uh, not worried about the cold with Phillip Rivers, given 9-2 and two career record. It's incredible. Incredible. Let's, uh, let's pick a, a couple of games and then get out of Dodge. Sure, yeah. yeah. And just wanted to mention our uh, Pick'em overall leader for the Rich Eisen podcast. Mm-hmm. We have a two-way tie uh, heading into Week 15, uh, actually including a little bit of last night. Duper 85's picks with 1,970 points wow. and Ross Hunt. They both have a 30-point lead over third place and then a 40-point lead over fifth and sixth, respectively. Ross Hunt. Ross Hunt. So, Does he have a brother named Mike? <laughs> Gee, come Am on. Am I allowed to say that? Family show, Rich. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Cousin, third cousin once removed. All right, weekly pick'em games. Weekly pick'em games. Did anyone games. take uh, San, uh, no, San Diego last night? I, no, didn't. I didn't. I didn't either. Andy Fenelon in uh, down in the digital media room told me I should switch my pick, and I didn't. Should have. I don't know. That it's it's very easy hindsight right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody saw that coming. Big time. No, no doubt. No. McCoy going back nine years in Fox's system. Okay. Anybody going to take the Dolphins? Man, I kind of want to. Actually. I'm taking the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm taking them. I need to make some games. Up yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to take well, them. I'm going well. to stick with Tom and Bill, but 
like I said, always a tough game down there. Um, Jaguars, Bills, guys. Somebody's got to win that one. I'm taking the Jags. Me too. I got the Jags as well. Yep. Okay. Uh, how about Kirk Cousins <laughs> in I Atlanta? I got Kirk Cousins uh, coming out with really? a W in Atlanta. Yeah, Steven Jackson's back, though, and supposed to have a big game. Uh, I think Kirk's going to do it. I don't know. I think the natural is going to do sticking what he with does Maddie. at home. Although I, I do believe that the Redskins' offense is going to look a lot better. A lot better. Looks like no Jordan Reed again this week. Held out of practice today with a concussion. So I think it'll be a lot better, but I still think it's still Atlanta at home, and they, they've been playing better of late. I'll take them. Bears and Browns. I'm taking the Browns. I got the Bears in this one. Bears defense, horrible. Browns put up over 500 yards against the Pats last week, and I don't think Jay Cutler should be starting. McCown's clearly been the guy. I'm with you. I'm taking Cleveland. Both of you on Cleveland. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, Cowboys, Packers, anybody? Well, uh, what they said, uh, Aaron Rodgers out, ruled yep. out that game. Yep. Gosh, I, I took the Packers in the, or the Cowboys in this one. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm rooting for the Packers. I think I the, the Cowboys, Cowboys are just going to win at home and at home. finish 8-8 eight and eight or yeah, whatever it is. I'm going to go with you. I'm taking the Rams, by the way. Oh, oh, I love the pick. I don't understand. It's only five percent user consensus on the Pickham side <laughs> for the Rams. Do we not? I mean, I think it's because it's a dome. I, I, so what? The, the Rams have, can put the bang thing on some people. Defense, We've seen it. Defense is strong. But they, they looked awful last week in Arizona, right? I mean, I don't know. Saints really. I thought the Saints would win last week at home. Didn't think it would be. I'm doing it that, for. I'm doing it for Mrs. Fashion. Sneed. I'm Mrs. doing Sneed. it for Mrs. Sneed. Fair enough. One Do for it. Mrs. Sneed. Tavon Austin banged up in that game. Do it. Uh, Bengals in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yes, I like the Bengals. Yeah, I and took the Bengals. Too. Lastly, who wins the Monday Nighter? Detroit at home. I got Detroit at home too. If Reggie Bush doesn't play, may may sway some things. But that's true. I, I might I might switch it. I don't up think too. it matters. Shrek Bell has proven himself to be a very formidable backup. Guys, this is a fun week. Uh, Law, you and I are off to New York next week. Yes, Anchorman, have fun, guys. Yes, Anchorman Sunday. Two Crew. It'll be uh, me sitting down with Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, and David Koechner all at once as oh, themselves. Unbelievable. And uh, we will have that television show for you on Christmas Eve night at 10.30 Eastern Time, Tuesday, December 24th. Set your DVRs. And uh, earlier that day, we'll post the audio com- uh, complete. Yeah, Christmas That'll be Eve. the podcast for the, for the week. That is true. Uh, in, in the interim, next Tuesday, we've got uh, Dennis Miller phoning in again. Um, I believe Joe Manganiello in studio, and then maybe some other fun stuff. Yeah, that'll be so. next Thursday, the 19th, because that's why we released this one late week, no early week podcast. Uh, January guest has been booked, although it's a, a soft booking. We don't have a date yet, but Timothy Oliphant is going to come. Oh, yes. In advance of the newest season of uh, Justified and coming a, on and FX in the dead, first week of Deadwood January. Deadwood fame as well. Oh, yeah. He's creating oh, yeah. the girl next door also. He, he, he's one of those guys that is great in everything that he does. He's one of those. He's one of those actors who can play for me on my team. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's he's exactly. That, he's one of those guys that I, if I'm making a movie, he's in it. No TV doubt about show. it. So Justified is coming back, and uh, we're going to get him on the show. Hopefully in studio too. This is going to be a tough one to to live up to, though, guys. This yeah, this one, this one, this one is, is, yeah, this pod is just. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of it because I think it's it's definitive. Even and, though uh, we didn't ask as everything that we wanted to, but. Way to um, swallow your pride, Rich, and track him down at the airport. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks very much. Thanks, for pal. At Chris Law and at Chris Brockman, I am at Rich Eisen. I want to thank Vince Gilligan. 
uh, they, they, their their Twitter site is still active at Breaking Bad underscore AMC. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they, they're we, still they're still tweeting. We'd say go buy his DVD, but it looks like he doesn't need your help, our help. So. <laughs> or that I love it. They're they're in a they're in a plastic can. You know, <laughs> the barrel, the barrel for money that he, right. yeah, yeah. won't barrel them. They're I'm such crazy. They really are. All right, guys, have a great weekend. You too, buddy. Sounds right. good. Enjoy the rest of week 15, everyone. Stay listening, dear friends.